Welcome to episode 444 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast. <laughs> I love it. Ooh. I gave you ample preparation, Ty Joe. I say, right, you're starting this week's yeah. episode. I always say, you never know what it is we're talking about. The Coronation Street podcast with me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Hello, welcome to episode 444. It's one of these special podcasts with treble figures. No, treble digits. What are you same. talking about? This is about Coronation Street broadcast in the UK between the 9th and the 13th of November. <laughs> episodes 10,162 to 10,166 yes. oh that's almost 1066 so it's, it's full of interesting numbers 444 I think that this episode should be in tribute to my grandma because I remember when I was little because she died like in 1995 whenever we used to go driving around she always used to look out for 444 on car number plates in front of us and said oh they're special cars and she used to get all excited when she ever saw a car with 444 in its number How plate weird. So, this one's for you gran Oh, I mean, that's 25 years ago since she died. Okay. Time is a cruel mistress. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure she'd be supportive of this. Right. How are you doing, everyone? What do you sound like that? You, yes. Am I being crazy? Yeah. I think I'm just glad that it's the weekend. I'm tired. I'm knackered. We're both knackered, which is, means it's a good job that we have recorded our bonus podcast oh God, a couple of days tick. ago. For it is tired. quite long. Yeah, ridiculous. Our bonus podcast this week, if you haven't heard it already, we're reacting to the top... 30 places in Coropedia's ultimate character survey. It's only been a few weeks since we reacted to uh, places 60 to 31, and now the ultimate winner has been crowned. And if you don't know who it is yet, you're going to have to listen to that one to find out. Or go to Coropedia one way or the other. You can you can either go and click over on Coropedia right now, or you can listen to three hours of us blabbing away until we actually get to it. I, I think that one is probably the best. It's difficult to know which is the best approach. It, it's not only that as well, though. It's also we've got some other interesting stats at the end that Coropedia have sent us, haven't oh, yeah. we? Like uh, who got the most votes and yes. uh, what else is there? Like newest characters. There's a whole load of extra bits of statistical data information type stuff that we talk about at the end. It's lots and lots of fun. And, um, and yeah, good, solid top 10. I'd say top 30, really. So get and listen to that if you want to know. But we're going to talk about Coronation Street this week. Leanne's week, I think it's fair to say. What do we think about that? We'll find out in a minute. Gemma, you wanna, do you want to get on with it and give me a quiz first? Do you want to talk? Do you want to I feel do like I'm doing all yourself? the talking today. You can do this whole show by yourself. I'll go to bed. I'm all right, I'm all right. I need to watch today's episode. I'm going to pass over to you. Okay. And you can tell me, ask me. Some questions, please. Right. This... About. <laughs> Sorry, you got. What the hell is wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just I'm so tired. I'm overcompensating. Don't worry about it. Just answer the questions. Okay. okay? okay. This is the quiz that about things that happened between the 9th and the 13th of November and years ending in a zero and a five from coronationstreet.fandom.com, aka Coropedia. Are you ready for the first question? so many questions? plugs in this episode. Are you ready for the first question? Yes. 9th of November 1970, what does Albert Tatlock give to handle Gartside when he finds out he was a conscientious objector during the war? What does he give him? Mm-hmm. It's a um, wedgie. No, that's a, if he's a bit younger, I might have said something like a black eye or something. I, uh, I, I don't know. It's a very famous thing. Is it? That you... I, uh, the black spot. I don't know. What did he give him? What did he give him? completely the opposite to that. It's a white feather. You know about this. Do you not know? They no, used to I give 
tell you this. Has it? Oh, I've forgotten about they it. They used if to I did. give people who didn't fight in the war used to give them a white feather to shame oh. them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's rude. It's a rude gesture. And then he was like, "Come on, Minnie Caldwell, we're going." Well, he was like, "It's too late now. The war's over. I can't go and fight in it at the moment, can I?" There'll be plenty more wars, handle. Oh, don't worry about it. We've always got a war going on. 9th of November 1990, Hoot arranges for the heavies to intimidate Ken into stopping his harassment of Deirdre over their impending divorce. Oh, I've probably watched this. So somebody gets set some heavies on Ken. They sort of intimidate him. Oh, I don't know. Don't know. Phil Jennings. Yeah, okay. 9th of November 2005, what was the name of the girlfriend that Martin Platt moved to Liverpool with? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know. Don't know, go on, tell me. Robin. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. No, Robin. Three out of... 10th of November, no, of 1965. What show does Emily put on and for what business? Is it a mannequin parade? Yeah, <laughs> for, for what? For what shop? Um, oh, Gamma Garments. Correct. In the same episode, how many Christmas trees does Elsie realise Dennis has bought? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a famous number. It's a, a significant Buddhist number. No. Eight. Fifteen. Eight. No. Definitely. Why would anyone... Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. <laughs> 108. It's a oh, number. That is all those numbers added up together, I think. <laughs> they weren't just random numbers, I was just saying. <laughs> That's the last numbers, isn't it? I know, Michael. Oh, I was close. I should get half I've mark. I've told you so many times throughout the years, 108 is a, is a famous number. You're telling me lots of things. Famous feathers, famous Buddhist numbers, famous Phil Jennings. He would have got a white feather. <laughs> <laughs> 10th of November, 1975. What tragic news does Len break to Ray? In when? 10th of November, 1975. What tragic news does Len yeah. break to Ray? Yeah. Tragedy. Uh, Deirdre's pregnant. Tragic news. Well, <laughs> maybe he didn't want to be a dad. Um, somebody's died. Another zero. Somebody died. Yes. Um, is it... No, I don't know. Jerry Booth. Oh, gosh, of course. Wow, you're doing I'm really, doing really badly. badly this week. 444 is supposed to be my lucky number for this podcast. So. 10th of November, 1995. What does Reg get identified as during a lineup? Criminal... Um, oh, ooh, the Red Wreck Flasher. Correct. Yay. That one. 11th, of December, 11th of November, 2010. Residents mourn the death of who? Hmm. Jack Duckworth. <laughs> <laughs> 12th of November 2010. Leanne and Nick sleep together at the opening night of the joinery, but who's Leanne engaged to? Peter! Correct. 13th of November 2000. What is the name of the butcher shop which opens in Victoria Street? Elliot and Son. Correct. Yeah, I'm back in the groove. 13th of November 2015. On their first meeting, why does Johnny decide he wants to demote Sally to the sewing room? Oh. Oh. Too snobby. <laughs> go on. Put a zero down. Oh, go on. I don't know. Isn't like the sound of her voice. Oh yeah, I remember that now. How does he placate her? Um, 
Making a supervisor? Yes, that's the only way to placate Sally. It's <laughs> the only way to placate anyone in the factory making a um, supervisor. God, that's really bad. That's, a, that's at least mean. 70%, I think. How many did what, I get? Wrong. One, four, five. I got seven right, and then I got one, two, three, four, five, six wrong. So I've got over half marks. There we go. That's, that's a pretty good score. All right, go on then. Birthdays. Birthday girl, who we got? 14th of. November, Sarah Moffat, who played Kelly Thompson. 15th of November, Amy James Kelly, who was Maddie Heath. 16th of November, Eva Pope, who played Tanya Pooley. Harry McDermott, who played Mac, who plays Max Turner. 17th of November, Ernst Walder, who played Ivan Tvesky. Graham Haberfield, who played Jerry Booth. Lewis Ablett, who played Billy Mallet. And then the 19th of November, William Russell, who played Ted Sullivan. And Catherine Kelly, who played Becky McDonald. Ah, oh, classic. Classic. This, I, I wonder whether they like, listen to this bit of the podcast and they get really excited when they read out your name. It's like, do you remember? I don't think did they ever? So. Used, did you ever I used think to see it on Kelly like, is waiting. Did you ever used to see it on like children's TV when you were little and um, every day they'd read out the names of some birthdays and the viewers like the mums or the dads rang in saying, "Oh, it's so and so's birthday today," and they're did like, "And today the birthday is." No, I'll the, 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 tell you where I remember seeing that when I used to go visiting my grandma back on the subject of her when because and it was in like Cornish TV. There was a little. Um, like a little puppet rabbit or something and a presenter and they used to read out the birthdays and they used to do jumps or whatever. I'm, I'm having flashbacks from when I was like 11 or 12 at the moment. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. So I'm going to do the birthday bumps to all these Coronation Street people this week. I'm sure Catherine Kelly is 21. 21 again. Time to talk about this week's Coronation Street in Street Talk. So. So. What happened tonight? Oh, blimey. It's... Uh, street talk time, and because we're in the run up to Christmas, Coronation Street has decided to Mystery give time. us some really horrible storylines to talk about. So, this isn't going to be very much fun. Oh, it's going it? to be lots of fun. We'll make it fun. No, we're not going to was... make it fun, darling. I've got, before we started, no. I made sure that I had my pen, my yes. pad, and my pen and paper no. so that every time I say something insensitive and Jeremy yes. glares at me, I can write it down and cut it out it's to be out of the podcast. It's funny that you say that, honestly. Look. Yes. we got to keep it light-hearted. No, we don't. People got sad watching Friday's Coronation Street yeah. and they want some then light-hearted bants between us. It's cheer them up. Oh, don't. It's fine. It's sad. It right. was. It was flipping okay. sad. But yeah, um, that, that was the main... Of it. it was great. And and I felt I felt it tonight. I won't cry. Come on. But I, I just love it how um, on, on Corrie it, has, it can get like yeah, really excited with all the high action and the sensationalism and the explosions and the guns and all that. That it can be, it can be like second to none at that. The the emotion stuff tonight, it can get right. It can the get the comedy. Stuff. You know, the the sad. The the it can do the it can do the comedy. I just love how when cor- a good Coronation Street episode doesn't have to fall into a specific category it did this right therefore it ticked these boxes so it's a good coronation street episode it can be good in very many different ways and um like if it was i i I really did enjoy tonight's episode but if it was like that all the time don't think i'd really want to watch it you know Mm -hmm. um but no i i I thought it was it was fantastic i'm ready ready for maybe a little bit of light-heartedness but i i think that's what they were trying to go for with the other stories this week but None of them really worked for me. I I was glad that tonight's episode was solely dedicated to the Ollie Wobbles storyline, um, because it just kind of felt that they. It's almost like they wanted to dedicate the whole week for it. So then they were like, well, "What do we do to fill up? You know, ten minutes of all the other episodes, shove in some other stories to die for a bit." 
Um, what? But, stories to die? You know, send them out. These rubbish stories, they're yeah. going to be a bit rubbish. Let's just send them out there. Let's put them in the graveyard slot. Of, I'm on the front line. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you know what I mean? So, yes. so So that they can have the story where Ollie is sent to die and it's, and it's uh, for, the, for the rest of it and then taking centre stage on Friday. But the curry is, curry is good when it can, um, when it dedicates whole episodes to certain stories. And it doesn't happen very much, but in the last few years we've seen uh, more of it. Like, obviously, there was, uh, about a year ago we had Sinead's death episode, which was just that one story. We had a couple in that storyline, actually, that was just that one. The, the Aiden suicide episode um i think it's a, it's a, it is a really effective storytelling method yeah I, 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 that, that's, that's what right, i right so this is the street talk and we've got five uh, five things happen this week the main thing as you said was the oliver storyline yes i'm calling it all over for oliver tonight although it wasn't quite all over yet <laughs> but it seems like i mean if we didn't know so already that it was uh there's a uh, some kind of there's a there's there's a end in sight it feels and there's no coming back. We've got Todd's on the pool, 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 pool. Why are you just not responding to me at all? Um, Why are you not bantering with me tonight? It's not, I'm not bantering because it's sad. Aladdin, oh. which is no, I don't Alina even call and it Adam. That. No, what oh, is man. it called then? I'm gonna call it Alina's Highland Fling oh, okay. because the. I tried to come up with a shipping name for Adam and Elena and Aladdin was the best that I could come up with. It's kind of in there somewhere, <laughs> but I think it's, I don't think it's there, so we'll call it Alina's Highland Flame because as you know, Adam is a smug Scottish kid. No. And we had Sean and Michael, which I didn't have a storyline title for because nothing really happened. And then there was a tiny, tiny bit of the Robert Johnny story, um, but that didn't go anywhere on Wednesday. So you're doing, you're, you're doing the synopsizing for the Oliver story, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Right, shall I start? Yeah, you start, you start. So on but Monday... Please allow me interruptions if I want them. On Monday, Steve finds Leanne at the hospital and she hasn't gone home and she is sad and she has a go about Nick, who she's banished. Nick's back home, he doesn't know what to do and Tracy says, you have to go to court for Oliver. Yes, because it was a hearing on Monday, wasn't it? Basically, Monday was... Um, everyone apart from... Was it everyone apart from Leanne having their say on Monday and then Leanne on Wednesday? And then they gave the verdict on Friday. Yeah. Which Nicely was the whole out. episode. Um, so, when Wendy, the... What was she? The Guardian? The yeah. liaison? She sided with the hospital. Um, and Nimran tells them that today they just need to listen. Then they'll get to say their bit. And then there'll be the verdict, like we just said. And Elliot is going to... is the He's the solicitor. Nimran's just his, like, little helper <laughs> with a fancy laptop cover. And he's and Elliot's going to do whatever he can. And Leanne's like, well, everyone's against us. I, I told you when we were watching that episode, tonight's episode, on that very, very long uh, verdict when it was just fading in and out and everything, Imran didn't have his laptop plugged in. You know, me and my laptop plugging in. And I was just waiting for him to stand up in the middle and say, sorry, judge, I just need to interrupt you. It says I'm on 5% or lower. Have you got, you got a spare power cord? <laughs> Something Somebody that I can must use. for this place. <laughs> I yeah the the cleaners they were just they were just waiting to come in and and, and clean up after the verdict today. Well, there but was a lot of Leanne was rooted in there. fluids around Leanne's chair in the form of <laughs> snot and tears <laughs> that they the needed world. to clean up. Well, they had to get they probably had to send in the uh, hazmat suits. <laughs> yeah, COVID warning. So um, Tracy turns up to wish them good luck, um, and she says 
Nick's, Nick's there too and he's struggling. Leanne doesn't care about anybody but herself and Oliver at the moment. She tells him to bog off and it was only a few weeks ago that you wanted to pull the plug. Um, Nick sees Toya in the hospital and she's sort of... Uh, um, she's kind of siding with him a bit. Well, she's not siding with him necessarily. She's well, understanding she's him. she's to everybody, isn't she? And, and Nick has been... Um, he's obviously been banished by Leanne and then and there's a lot of people that are too scared to stand up, to up against Leanne and, and, and so yeah basically Nick's got no allies apart from Toya who's quite brave actually but maybe she thinks that I don't know maybe she it's, it's partly the counsellor in her I suppose but maybe she thinks well there's no way that Leanne would banish me but I think she would oh she'd banish everybody Nick says imagine if we lose Oliver then we lose each other Sad. Uh, Dr. Hospital is giving her evidence to the judge. Oh, yeah, that's right, wasn't it? It was Monday was was the hospital side of the evidence, and then it was it was the it was the it was the pull the plug side on Monday getting their talk, and then it was the keeping going side on Wednesday. That's right, Michael, the pulling the plug team. That's what they call themselves. Yeah, team pull the plug. Dr. Hospital says about the high level of sedation, it's just reducing his seizures, but it's um, hastening brain degeneration. It doesn't really matter. Whatever happens, there's no reversing what's already taken place. And the only thing that, the only kind thing to do is to take off, take him off life support. And she try, and Leanne's listening to that. I don't know how you could listen to people talking about your child like this. She's she's trying to hold back the tears. <laughs> she's giving her Jenny Bradley Dester pretty pretty good at, at Doctor Hospital. Um, Leanne feels like it's hopeless after it, after the evidence has been given, and she drops off. And Steve is apologising to Elliot if they seemed ungrateful. <laughs> Leanne's just really, oh, it's like she read How to Win Friends and Influence People and said. No, this is rubbish. <laughs> I'll do the opposite of everything that it says in here. Steve and Leanne are back at the flat later and they're talking about what it was like when she first found out that she was pregnant with Oliver. Um, and she says, you always understood the batters being me. You're, in the, you're the only bloke who fully gets me. Oh, yeah, this is when it starts to get a little bit weird, doesn't it? Well, yeah, she's yeah. obviously blown off a lot of steam. She's getting drunk. She gets more and more drunk. She drinks almost an entire bottle of, of white, white wine to herself. And then she starts horning over Steve <laughs> and kind of says, oh, take me to bed. Um, she, she sobers up and comes to her senses and leaves... No, she's left by herself. Steve goes home and leaves her, like, saying, this isn't what you want. I know this is not what you want. Um, I'm re- I'm really surprised they didn't explore the kind of idea that maybe she was thinking secretly, I can have another baby with Steve. In what way? I don't... Well... She, she's not thinking replacement no, I know. is needed. No, no, I know, but you know what I mean? It's weird because, obviously, they only slept together once she had a baby. Mm. I don't know. I just thought, like, if if you were to sleep with somebody and the only time you ever had before you had a baby and then the baby's what you're worried about... Mm. I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. I, I just, like, I thought she had an ulterior motive almost, but she obviously didn't because it never came up again. No, no, she was just... She's just... Um, her head's all over the place, isn't she? And um, 
and everyone seems to be abandoning her at the moment. So she's she's just looking for somebody, somebody's arms to, to fall into. Well, she hasn't got anybody because she rejects every well. single person that tries to yeah. help her. And up to this point, Steve is, is Steve's still on her side. Steve's one of her, her only side. allies, along with Toya. Yeah, so I did I did really like the, the reminiscing part of it. Um, because, I mean, Steve and Leanne could could possibly have potential somewhere. But they haven't had a whole lot of scenes together. Like I said, it was it was very kind of... Yeah, wham bam, thank you, ma'am. When they got her pregnant, and even then, it was a, uh, it was, it was the, um, it was a uh, secret, wasn't it? We saw somebody go into Leanne's flat that one night, and they didn't show who it was. And it wasn't until later that we realised it was Steve that had gone in there. So they're probably reminiscing all about that as well. Like, oh, do you remember <laughs> that? Funny. Remember that time when we had everyone tend to see yeah. who it was that came? Oh, do you remember that time when it gave birth to Ollie in a lift? Yeah. <laughs> what drama? So. Steve goes home, he's not really in the right state of mind to debrief Tracy about what happened on the court case, and she's very understanding. She asks how Leanne was, and he's like, um, bites her head off and goes upstairs to have a lay down. Tracy gets on the phone to Toya and finds out that she's having a meltdown at the hospital. And then Steve comes down and hears about what's going on, and she's like, what happened? And so he tells her, He tell, Steve tells Tracy about the fact that Leanne came on to him and says that it was nothing. She didn't know what she was doing. She was drunk. She was she was grieving. Like, it's fine. We didn't do anything. But, you know, I have to let you know. So Tracy can't let it rest, goes to the hospital. And she, she does a mini fake out. She's like, oh, it batters me. I know you're struggling and everything, but you must be in a really bad way for coming on to Steve. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. She, the, she was the queen of fake outs this week, wasn't she? But we know that... Um... Billy was the, the archdeacon of Vakeouts. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so she, they, they have a little ch- chat, heart-to-heart chat with Leanne crying, Tracy's sympathising, and Leanne's kind of starting to admit that she thinks that this court case, they're not going to win it. Wednesday, we start with the Mr. Men, and this was like the theme of the the last... Two, day, two days worth of episodes was like the Mr. Man was like a metaphor for Oliver's life and Steve was coming to the end of the books and they, like in real life they laid can't... it on a bit thick it it reminded me and you, you didn't see this of um, when Sinead was dying and they had that um, we're going on a bear hunt the Michael Rosen story that um, they were reading who was it was it Sinead was reading it to Bertie or something and then as as Sinead was slipping away Daniel was reading it to Bertie as well, and I think that they were, they were, you know, getting you by the feels that you have when you think back to childhood and getting all the nostalgia and, yeah, childhood innocence and everything, and uh, yeah, they were they were kind of going, trying to get you in the same place as that, and it it, it works, but it might have been more effective maybe if it didn't remind me of that and make me think they're just trying to rehash the on a bear hunt book bit. The metaphor doesn't well the the idea was that they're coming to the end of the books but if it's your life you can't just start again unless you believe in reincarnation so once the book's finished you can't just start all over again because he kept saying we're coming to the end we're coming to the end i'm going to order some more and you know there's not really well let's see that was a bit confusing to me because it's like oh we've read what is it we've read 12 books now we're on to the last i think there's more than 12 mr members well he discovered that that there was little miss in today's episode like, there's didn't still they? hopefully and there's little miss books as well <laughs> um oh, if i'm ever dying please don't read me mr men or 
Littlemist or going on a bear hunt or anything. Or the Wikipedia page really, of Roger Hargraves. Really complicated. I thought I read was, your war and peace just so that you can hang on for a little bit longer. I thought it was really interesting that they decided to read Mr. Men. It's not a very modern... I don't know. How popular is it with children? Oh, I think kids still read that. I but think it's very, I think very... this is deliberately chosen because it has a very universal appeal and it's been around for a very long time. Many of the people who are watching it who have been parents are parents now um, or have children who are grown up would have remembered reading Mr. Men probably at some point or mm. having dealings with Mr. Men. Whereas like, if it was a modern children's book people wouldn't have quite the same... It wouldn't evoke quite the same memories. This was like a universal appeal to yeah. the feeling of reading your child a story. Yeah, definitely. It also, because um, the, some of the uh, the themes and ideas in the Mr Men book are, are quite black and white and made it easier. Like, I mean, the fact that the, the two ones that we that got a name check today were Mr Tickle and Mr Wrong, and I think they chose Mr Wrong because of the whole idea of right and wrong and what's right for Ollie and mm. people, doctors getting things wrong and everything. It was all supposed to tie in there. So it was, it was quite neatly done. Yeah. So he's reading them. He's reading Oliver Mr Men before court. And Leanne says goodbye to Oliver and says, we're going to win this, I just know it. So... In the hallway, um, they're getting their story straight and then they head off together to the court. Peter sees Nick outside the flats and says, Leanne's going to come around, don't worry about it, you'll be back together. But um, Leanne's outside the court waiting to go in because, like you said, it was their, it's their turn to sort of give their side of the story. And she's freaking out because Steve hasn't even got a tie on. Simon's getting worried, everybody's just freaking out and they're... You know, she's trying to hold everything together, but she's also really worried as herself. Simon's the first person to stand up, and he says he thinks the doctors are wrong. And Leanne's like, "Yes, yes, right, that's right, that's right." The doctors. Oh are yeah, wrong. that was so sad when he was when he was saying his bit. He was. It's like she'd fed him the lines. Not yes. that not that he will didn't mean it, but he was he was saying everything that she wanted to, and you could yeah. see watching him then. She was really proud of him, and she was like t- yeah, tearing like up out of sadness, life. but also of pride because of yeah, yeah him saving his brother's life. That was lovely. I thought this was really weird though. Why? I just don't understand what the. I mean, is it is it did it kind of feels like the judge already like the whole thing was a bit of a sham, and it'd already been decided because I can't see. If you've got no medicals, no medical experts on your side at all, and your whole argument is that I, I don't believe that they're correct, and doctors can be wrong. I know, it but it just I... feels a bit like well, we like mentally we need to give them an outlet so that they can come and say you're wrong, you're wrong, and they they can say to themselves, well, we did everything we could, you know. Is I that think what you're right. For? Yeah, I mean, it was it was inevitable. I mean, for us as viewers, it was inevitable. Yeah. They were never going to turn it around and say, oh, you know what, keep them going. And for a lot of the characters involved, it was also inevitable. I know that you know, it, say Imran was there saying, oh, I, I, we need to win this, and, and Leanne did, and you are. I, I think everybody you know who knew what they were talking about though really knew deep down or knew quite overtly that they weren't there was only one outcome for this trial then maybe it was a waste of time doing it but you know if somebody slaps you around the face with a glove you've got to give them a jewel and and that's what Leanna done isn't it she's like I need to I need to say my piece so that like you said she can say I've done all what Maybe they wanted her to be able to say, okay, I've done everything I could now, but as we saw in this episode, she's still not letting go of that bone yet. No, and obviously there always needs to be some kind of thing in place whereby you can challenge 
things like this. It just seems like in this situation, it just seems like you say, hope, completely hopeless. Yeah. So, so Simon's saying that the doctors are wrong. And that now it's Leanne's turn. So she, she goes on the stand and she says, people all over the world are hunting for a cure and they are going to find it. And I want him to be alive when that happens. And the, I can't, I don't know who's questioning her, but they say, um, do you know your, his condition is getting worse? And she says, yes, he is, he's, he's getting better. Like, there is hope. He's responding. And she's reading through this log of, like, things that she's written down about every time he reacted to something. And she's crying and she just looks... She's just a mess, you know. One thing I found interesting there, and, and maybe this is just the nitpicky nerd in me, but some of the dates that they were oh. giving were, like, Saturdays and things. And that just, <laughs> that just made me twitch with my Coronation Street three-day week kind of thing. I, yeah, he he's responding. He's he's sitting up and conversing with us. It's just you know not on days when they got episodes. You got to believe me. When the cameras are there, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever the cameras are there, we're like, come on, Ali, smile for the camera. Typical. Um, Kids. So she 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 gets asked, are there any movements he can't control? And she says, there are some. And then she starts bleeding directly to the judge, who is a woman as well. She says, he's my son. He's the little boy I gave birth to and, and then says, this could happen to any of you. And when it does, you, you want people to listen to you and care because there's nothing you can do. And she just really encapsulates this hopeless feeling you get when you get told something about your about medical something or other and you know there's nothing you can do about it. And it's just the absolute bleak unfairness mm. of the inevitability of some of these things that can happen. Um, so after she's made this impassioned plea to the court, um, she worries that she might have ruined it all because she admitted that some of the some of the movements were involuntary. And Elliot's like, yeah, yeah she, but you're right. Of, she's you kind of made just, to say that, isn't yeah, she? It was a, like, a yes accept. or no. Do you accept that some of what you're saying was, you know, was not, voluntary yeah. was a response? Do you admit that some of it wasn't? And the, and the fact that she said, well... Some of it could have been involuntary. Yeah. That implies that now all of it guilty. could have been involuntary. Yeah, and then it says that you have to just accept that that all of them could have been. There's nothing you can, you you know, you have to accept it. So she, she oh, this is terrible. Next we see Amy and Emma going into the flats and they get a reporter jumps out at them. This is a weird scene. I, I feel like really this like might this. be cut for Canada. Uh, yeah, she's like, oh, have you got any... Um, you're, you're the relatives of the boy they're going to murder. Uh, have you got anything to say about about it? She's, like, she's being nice and everything. Yeah, Emma opens her mouth to speak and Amy likes, like, no. Don't no. tell her anything. Fizz comes over and they're all sort of telling this woman to get lost. Yeah. And, um, and then, then that's what Emma says. Oh, Fizz, you're so wise, like an owl or something. <laughs> and Fizz's like, I do like owls, actually. Owl print everything. Nick, that's Mary. Nick, yeah, but owls were everywhere like five years ago, weren't they? Were <laughs> they? Yes. In the midst of Harry Potter. Nick has a little sneaky visit to go see Oliver, and this was this scene was like the most jaw dropping scene oh, I've yeah. seen in Coronation. This two. was, wasn't it? This could have been a twist. He's sitting there and he's sort of saying to Oliver, "It's it's, it's Oliver in the bed, Nick and Toya alone, and Nick is talking about." how he can't understand why Leanne won't let it go or like he knows that this is the end for Oliver and how, you know, how can... He's just talking about the fact that he has to say goodbye, like everyone has to say goodbye to Oliver and there's nothing anybody can do. And and Toya says, 
you know what? If you want, you can switch the machine off right now. I won't say anything. Just switch them off. Just lean over. It'd be the easiest thing in the world. And I was like, oh my God. I know. And the, the thing with this week's episode was that there was a sense of kind of crushing inevitability about it. Not that it was predictable or anything like this, but there was only one way that it could go. So there weren't many shocks in it. But no, that particular line, even though this it was just was for such, a split second. This was such a fantastic scene. It really put everything into perspective. Everybody who's watching this going, oh, Leanne, just give it up. I can't believe you're still holding on to hope. It's it's obvious, you know, you, you've got to let him go. She She's being so silly. I know some people are very unsympathetic, not very many people, but some people don't still don't get it. But Satoya so says to Nick, switch this machine off. What they should have done is have her say that and then just like the, you know, the sound of the, the needle scratching on the record and like, and everyone stops and people drop something and then Toya goes, so, no, sorry, I was, I was just trying to do a curry fake out. Is this how you do a curry fake out? It's just a fake out. Uh, <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah. No, what she says is, that's what you're asking Leanne to do. Like, that, that, that scene was so effective to me to just put everything back into perspective because because it's very it would be very easy to watch this and just see this as a woman as Celiane as a woman who's unhinged who can't accept reality and is you know if you want to bit take a really uncharitable view of it she's wasting everyone's time because mm. we get a different perspective about that on Friday um but put it right into perspective Toyo did it excellently by saying if you're not going to turn off the machine yourself you are in no position to tell this woman how to react when she's being told she's fighting for her child's life and she's being told there's no hope. Mm. I thought this was the most powerful scene and Toya Toya was fantastic. I was so I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I, could, I was like, is she is she like going? Yeah, you've got to be cruel to be kind. I'm bad. No, she's like, well, you know, as a counsellor, I just think if we told her that we unplugged him to put the vacuum cleaner in, she'd have to accept it, wouldn't she? <laughs> Anyway. I have enhanced cl- uh, cleaning during these times. It's enhanced cleaning protocols. So that scene with Nick and Toya was my favourite scene of the whole week. Wow. And there was some stiff competition. There was a lot of competition and most of it was um, with Leanne because Jane Danson again. Jane Danson was just, just I don't fantastic. Know how. She manages to keep adding, like upping the ante somehow and finding a new well of emotion to to draw from in almost every scene that she's in and the grief feels constantly fresh and raw it's just it does incredible it's, it's for me it's not the best coming across on, on coronation street it, absolutely it's not coming across because you, you get so many characters that are just have sad scenes thrown at them and they just cry 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 and sometimes it's like oh come on fed yeah, up yeah, with this now go. or here we go here come the waterworks but for this it doesn't feel like it it feels so authentic and it's real not, and, yeah. and kind of guttural something within her just like yeah, yeah that, she was so good and it just makes it, me wonder if they'd given if they'd given it to like Michelle and, and why are I, you doing this you don't need to do this um, I'm just you don't it. need to you don't oh, need to I suppose the Rory stuff is quite you good you don't need to so so she's done a really good job and also I think it's the the script writing and the storylining too because we're following a logical progression of the story and they've managed to work this around all the COVID stuff like I think Yasmin's story's really suffered oh, from gosh, pacing yeah. because of COVID but the Ollie storyline has managed to 
get through it pretty unscathed I think because we're following a logical progression and it feels like I feel like we're not running out of story it's not like we're we're like it's not like not, we're, not we're spinning it. the wheels we're, no, like, we're still keep these plates spinning until December for the 60th because it, it also feels like the end of this story could I mean not the end end but I guess the end for Ollie could happen before the 60th as well. It has well. to really happen. I really don't want it to be dragged out to, through to December because although I understand this is a really important storyline, I just don't I just don't go for the whole juxtaposition of Christmas with misery. I know that EastEnders loves doing it, but I don't think Corrie's the right place. I'm it. sure they still will, but, but this... There's going to be it, lots of crying some... at Christmas. There's going to be an empty place at the Christmas dinner table. You know, I... <sighs> but the actual, you know, switching off of the machines or Well, I don't think the they do or... it like at the same time they... they right, we're going to unplug him, but we're going to plug the Christmas lights in at the same time. Yeah. Because we need a spare plug. Or maybe they're just... You know when sometimes they do those cuts from one scene to another? They're pulling the tube out and then they cut to somebody pulling a cracker. Yeah, no? why not? Why not? <laughs> no, it, you should have written you, you're this right. It's, it's absolutely. It it feels like the pacing is just right for this. I don't think there's, and and I'm, I I I know that other people have a different opinion on this because I've read it online, but I have not felt that this has been plate spinning in in the same way as the Jeff and Yasmin one has. But, but you're right. It, Everyone's it's, entitled it's, to their own opinion on this, and I can understand that's... why you think that. Well, you might think this is dragging out a bit, but I just think logically. It's not like we've had an unchanging situation the entire time. We've followed a logical chain of progression. Mm. Although it always had the same destination from the very beginning, we knew that this wasn't really going to work out well for Oliver as soon as he ended up in the hospital bed. Yeah. Um, Uh, With the the Yasmin one as well, it it literally felt like it was just about to hit a big climax before they had to stop filming in March as well. Because it was like, Yasmin, your your court case is tomorrow. Oh, no, you've got a heart attack. Let's put it back for a little bit longer. And maybe they would have had a trial and then she'd have been found guilty and, and we'd have just been having the appeal now or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's 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 worked better for this. So. The next thing we see in the court case is Steve on the stand and he's saying they need to let Oliver take all the time he needs because they, you know, they're... What else can you say? They uh, Simon gets home and Emma and Amy have downloaded the new FIFA for him. This was kind of sweet, like the children sort of bonding and trying to find some happiness in their life. Toya tries to reassure Nick about what Leanne's feelings for him are but he thinks that she's not in love with him anymore and that's it. He's he's ruined every every chance he had with her by telling the truth, basically. So they have summing up time in court and when it's all over, um, Steve wants to try to get Leanne home to have a rest, but she won't. She goes straight back to the hospital to see Oliver and she finds Nick there and she has a go at Toya for letting him in and Toya's like, look, I know how you're feeling, Leanne, but Nick's also feeling bad too. Bye. <laughs> so she leaves them to have a talk, um, and which doesn't really amount to much more than Leanne saying, get out, I don't need you. Then we see Toya going back to the Rovers and she kind of looks like this is over. She, yeah, uh, that, that was that was a great scene as well. I, I For one, I loved that Fizz was in it. And what, what I seriously think that this needed was Toya and Fizz having a proper chat because they used to be 
great friends and flatmates and we're talking what 15 years or so ago and they got so close and it felt this week it was them saying oh we need to give Jenny McAlpine some scenes look she, she's contracted with this many scenes let's throw her into a few scenes but the scenes that she was given weren't the scenes that she would have been best used in I think that because we we didn't even have that much of Toya and Imran having heart to heart. I really did we? wanted to We had the morning scene today, but Toya and, and Fitz, I think, would have been just right. I really wanted to see Toya and Imran having a conversation, or or Toya's letting everything out. Because I I just really think that she's been like a punching bag for Leanne for so long, and she has come up and said certain things, but she must have so many emotions in her own mind about. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, think we about how she feels. She's, you know, she wanted a baby. She and her sister, neither of them had a child. Or Simon, you know, Leanne adopted Simon. Then she, um, then Leanne gets pregnant out of nowhere. Perhaps that gave Tori a bit of hope. Mm. And then she now she's got this nephew that she can kind of coddle. And then he gets taken away. The baby that she helped deliver when she and Eva had were in the got the cottage together and Toya had to help have the baby you know help, help her give birth that baby's been taken away from her every single chance she's ever had to have a baby's been taken away and she sees her sister who had that one shot and now that's been taken away she must feel really bleak yeah we were just not getting the chance and it's, she's she's it's like it's almost it's being, like there's not room in the script but I, I really think room. they should have there made room, have room for it there could have been it's room. It's not Toya's story, had... but well, this is what's supposed to be the point of the story. Was supposed to be what what impact does this have on the street and people, the dynamics and relationships? And at the moment, it feels like it's just ruined Leanne's relationship with everybody, mm. and that's it. I mean, that that is it's compelling to watch. Well, we it's... got to see it. Today's was about everybody's reaction about it and everybody waiting for the phone call or the text message or whatever, wasn't it? Yeah, let's get let's get into that. So she goes into the Rover's Toya and she knows it's over. She's very dejected. And we finish the scenes with Steve reading the last Mr. Man book to Ollie and Leanne saying, oh, we can start the series again when you finished it. But, you know, Steve's thinking... Yeah, and it's that was the other one, isn't it? It's that, was, that was Mr. Christmas that he it's was reading, or the the Twelve of the Days of Mr. Man Christmas, or something, which is also tuggy at the heartstringy because it's like, are you going to even make it to Christmas, Oliver? Well, we have yeah on on Friday, they wake up very early, Michael. Yes, half ten ten to five they're awake in the morning. Well, I got up at four forty this morning, so I beat you, Leanne. Like she's, she's got no dedication to your son. What did you do? What were you doing? Like, I had lots that I had to get done at school this morning. It's ridiculous. And <laughs> you don't even live that. It's not like it's commute to London or something. Yeah, no, you could be a banker. The, the amount of work you do, you could be a city trader and we could be rich. Oh. We could have an orangery. Well, that's, I would love an orangery. Imran has got up before the end, though, even, hasn't he? He's there tapping away in his. You his told me off for talking about money in the, in the um, bonus I, episode this week. Yeah. It's all right. Sorry. It's all right. I apologise. When you don't have it, you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Steve is reading more Mr. Men to Oliver and he starts, he's, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel because he's getting onto Roger Hargreaves' facts on Wikipedia. Yeah, this is when he discovers that Mr. the little miss exists. He's like, oh, <laughs> okay. yeah, Miss Chatterbox will get Emma to read that one. Yeah. 
early in the morning in the Batters Beeb household and Imran's worried about today and Toya's like, I do not know how Leanna's going to cope because she won't let Nick anywhere near her. Um, and Imran's like, at least I've got a nice and cheerful decal on the front of my laptop, which will lift the mood. <laughs> it was like everything in court later was Steadly like grey, brown, and Imran's laptop is like, there was la, like, la, la, it's me. like, it's like the ni- like nineties kind of squiggles all over the place. <laughs> and he was like looking super serious, but I could just imagine him playing. Like he kept giving these like really serious looks and sort of staring at the desk and he's probably playing Minesweep. I can imagine him opening up his laptop case to get it out and he's like, oh, I meant to change the faceplate on this one before I brought oh, it today. Oh, no, I, I meant to put the black one on. So, um, Sam, oh, Sam sent a Get Well Soon card to Oliver, which is really bit tasteless. Somebody's got terminal illness. But he doesn't know. That's no, what they I know say, he doesn't know. I um, know he doesn't know. He did a really good picture of a train. Listen, if I know children, because I was one, what happened was he drew an amazing picture of a train and thought this could be a good get well card. Yeah. That's the sort of crap I used to do. <laughs> like everyone will admire this much more if I make it into a get well soon card. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's not like Ollie is showing that much interest in trains up until now. He's all about he the red cars, isn't cars. he? cars. Yeah. So, um, Roy, though, he'd have loved that, tra- he'd have loved that card. He'd have framed it, put it on the cafe wall. Well, sadly, it was Haley that was sick, not him. <laughs> so, um, Sarah comes up and... She says, Leanne's going to need all the support that she can get, you know. Yeah, this is what Nick says when he dies. Nick's like not pulling any punches now. Nick's he's, over it. He's being a realist about this. Yeah. You but, have to be. And, but it's just tragic because he knows that Leanne is still desperately clinging on to the impossible right. dream yeah. that Ollie is going to make a miraculous recovery. Yeah. Socially distanced Barlow meeting on the street. They're all getting ready to find out. Emma's crying. They don't know what to do. So they just agree to hang out with each other. And luckily, there's four of them and there's four corners of the room so they can all socially distance from one another. Yeah, but, but two of them are going to be leaning up against the fourth wall. So you've got to be careful not to just fall don't, out the Don't set. roll into the, into the cameras. They're expensive. Um, Aggie, is, Aggie and Ed have a really interesting um, scene. And I thought this was a nice perspective as well yeah this this episode was obviously full on Battersby McDonald stuff but every the so often the whole episode was about they, they, they inserted they other people's uh, what, what are these characters thinking yeah. about it? and I thought this was one of Aggie and Ed's best scenes I, th- I thought um, that Aggie was particularly good in this Lorna she, she did a super job I loved this. I thought this was very important. I would love Coronation Street to bring the same energy to when they talk about teachers and the teaching profession, but apparently <laughs> they don't care about that. Because Aggie... We've got Brian on our side. Aggie tries to make Ed see that the doctor's decisions were made after a lot of considerations and they do it every day and it's not easy and they're being painted as the villains and it's not the case at all and they would do anything for this not to be the the result of of the treatment for Oliver, um, I just thought that scene was great. I I, I thought it was as well. It was a it was a go NHS sort of scene, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. She uses the word superheroes, have, which is what's yeah. been banded about this year. They had to have that scene because I think um, otherwise they might have been criticised for making the NHS look unsympathetic. But I, you know, that doc, you know, the, the the interactions they've had with the doctors and. All of the all of the steps that they've gone through, and even having this court case, it just goes to show you the advocacy for patients. Mm. The thing is, though, you have to advocate for yourself. This is the trouble. Yeah, you have to be the one to kick up the stink. 
Mm. It's not like they've never done anything wrong, the NHS, but you have to... There are there are ways of getting treatment and standing up for yourself, but you have to be... You have to have the power to do it, and not everybody's got a Leanne in their corner. Mm. I found it interesting, I suppose it's just come to me, that... Um, Aggie hasn't been involved in this storyline. Considering that she was supposed to be a nurse in the children's... Yeah, when when Ollie first got admitted to hospital, she was there, wasn't she? She was kind of sniffing around and phoning up Ed, saying, um, I've got... There's Ollie in here. And and I wonder whether she was originally going to play a bigger part in this, because I think that might have been filmed pre-COVID, I can't remember now. Um, And then, obviously, Aggie was mysteriously absent from Coronation Street up until last week. So I've got a feeling that, you know, in the original draft, she would have... Been a bit had more a bit, involved. And it's a shame because... It would have been interesting to have we, a bit we, more conflict. We, we, we would... And it would have been really it built her character, which is yeah, fairly paper-thin at the moment. Yeah, I know. missed out on all this character development. I, I wonder how much of Dr Hospital's lines and things would have been given to Aggie. Mm. Well, originally, Dr Hospital's lines would have all been Dr Ward, wouldn't yeah. they? Definitely. There is no such thing as Dr Hospital in the original version of these scripts. I think it's got to be the actress who played Dr Ward um, couldn't make it. Sarah shows up at the hospital to sit with Oliver and Toya and Leanne is there and she doesn't want to talk about Nick. Thanks very much. Steve overhears... Oh, Steve's sitting outside and he overhears a man on the phone complaining about the fact that their child is not getting treatment because Dr Hospital is spending too much time on Oliver's case going giving um, giving evidence and et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair. Um, you know, other people are sick and they can actually get better again. And poor Steve has to listen to this and it puts things into perspective a little bit more as well about what the resource, you know, the finite resources of the NHS and given what he actually knows with his mind rather than his heart about what Oliver's prospects are, are they being fair? Yeah, but at this point he's already kind of realising that... This is just adding to his... Um, I mean, if he maybe if he'd heard this two weeks ago, he would have stood up and said, how dare you say that? You know, my child's got just as much right to life as your child, etc., etc. But this just kind of... It turned out by the end of the episode that the kid was fine anyway, so don't know what he was moaning about, this other guy. He just had, like, a <laughs> splinter or something. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, obviously, yes, like you said, it, it just puts it into perspective for Steve, and he realises that he... Because he, he's been thinking for a little while now that this is fairly inevitable but I can't stand up to Leanna or I need to support her. Well he's also probably thinking what's the harm in what's the harm in trying? Yeah. And now he's saying yeah there is an there is an impact because they can't do everything they can't they have to prioritise and now they're prioritising Oliver over someone else it'd be nice if we didn't have to do that wouldn't it but that's not the world we live in there was another really nice scene between David and Gail and they're really good at writing David and Gail scenes recently um they are it wasn't really anything in particular it was just them waiting for the verdict and them like him having a a a bitch at her about her ironing and how she still can't do it after 60 years of ironing yeah it was a it was a a classic Corrie character conversation scene wasn't it it where nothing really happened smart remarks funny interactions really great it was one of it was needed in this um, yeah and because episode. because the relationship between those two is so well established it's probably a scene that one of these scenes that writes itself and i'm not yeah. saying that you know wasn't hard you, to write but no but it's if the whoever i can't remember who it was that wrote it was it owen lloyd fox or something today um 
like if you if you're given that scene to write, it's like you, you, you yeah, just you, kind you, of imagine what they're saying and well, write it down that's as the they're thing. saying that's it. the thing with some characters you think oh what, what would these be saying and it's like, I thought maybe they'd be saying this maybe they but with, with people like girl and Dave, it's like yeah you know what they'd be saying and you know if one person said this you know what the other person yeah, would say really great it, yeah david basically criticizes gail for not being able to do any ironing after 60 years and then she starts saying well well, what do you you just sit on your bum all day watching telly and marking, making sake remarks? And he gave a great little eyebrow rise, like, yeah, I do. Yeah, Which is what we do as well. Well, he, he does he's... it. Jack P. Shepard does it in his own podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Sarah's gone to offer to sit with Oliver and Toya, as we said earlier, while everyone else goes to court. And even though Toya wasn't very happy to see her, um, she sort of lets her sit there. And Sarah's toy hasn't arrived yet, and Sarah doesn't know, really know what to do. So she talks to this new nurse that we haven't seen before. I don't think. No. And the nurse says, "Oh, usually, like normally, Leanne sings or she she talks or reads to her to him. Just do whatever you whatever you like." So we hadn't seen any of Leanne singing before, has we? We have. Yes, yeah, she sang "You Are My Sunshine." Oh yes. Oh, I remember that. That was sad. Steve has told Leanne about the man who was complaining about o- Oliver taking up everybody's time, which was not a good idea. Nick shows up and she's completely frazzled and she doesn't care. Um, they all go into the room together. It's a good job that um, nobody else turned up imprompt, you know, without being invited because there were <laughs> yeah. literally that number of seats. There was the... There was it's a, almost like they knew Nick was going to turn up. There was Elliot and the other lawyer at the front two desks and then it was... Um, Leanne and Steve and then it was Imran and his his laptop and then it was um, Nick on the very end going yes everybody stay apart from each other it was a bit like um, when we went to Gas Funeral earlier this year wasn't it and the seats all yeah, fast spaced apart even though you, even though you're in the same bubble even you're not you're allowed to sit next to each other no. so that's why Steve and Leanne were sitting six feet away from each other I guess it's the same thing for corpse room, courtrooms um, Leanne's in the zone the judge comes in and then they have the weird I didn't really know why we had this but the the judge was it was sort of like fading in and out of the judge talking and like talking over herself and basically set going on and on and on about there's no hope basically it was her reason wasn't it and one of the characters um says later on she spoke for an hour yeah and i think they did a good job to make it seem like a lot of time was that's passing. why they i guess that's why they did it you know and we kept sort of panning around the room and yeah because often in the cory court cases they'll show little snippets of you know testimony or what have you and it's always the most important bits and it makes you think that's all i needed to say really what what gets said in the times that you know well, you would. They're know. not on camera. Yeah, um, lots of waffling. Yeah, so so I I think I I didn't I really honestly didn't mind this, and it it started to get a bit weird when they faded into Sarah doing her singing as well. So she was she was kind of duetting with the duet with, with sorry with the judge for giving her verdict. Um, but yeah, to get a long story short, the the verdict is, yeah, nothing you can do. Yeah, it's it's more it's kinder to allow him to pass. Leanne cannot cannot cope with this. She she stands up immediately and she's begging and she's crying. She's she's wailing. The judge picks the papers up and walks out. Leanne's like, you know, yeah. The judge judge does a gavel drop and is right out of there. They don't gavel drop, Michael. <laughs> so um, everybody gets a text, don't they? Um, yeah, the word reaches uh, number one, number eight, Ollie's room with Toya in. Yeah. Leanne, Toya speaks to Leanne in the corridor while Sarah sings a little sad song 
to Oliver because she knows that it's the end. But but it's not the end, is it, for Leanne? She says, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna appeal, aren't we? Gonna appeal, we're gonna appeal." And Emma's like, "Are you sure?" She's like, "Yes, of course I'm sure. Of course I'm, we're gonna appeal. We're not gonna just take this line down. We've got to fight, fight, fight." And Elliot says, "Well, you know, the judge did just tell you for an hour why she, um, why she thought that this was the correct decision. She might refuse permission to have an appeal. And you know, even if we do appeal, it's not very likely we'll succeed." And Nick's like, "I have something to say." And she's like, "Shut up, shut up." Steve's not saying anything, but we know what he's actually thinking. Steve rings Tracy up at number one and she is surprised when he tells them that they're going to appeal and Amy's like, oh, have they got new evidence? And Nick and Steve's like, uh... What, really? Uh, see, Amy's... Don't you know what Leanne's like? Amy's... Like the airdrop. Amy cuts straight to the point of it mm. there with that question. Yeah, Very which insightful. is what would be said basically if they went to appeal. Yeah, so what's the evidence then? What um, more have you got to say that you didn't say before? Yeah. Um Gail's trying to get in hold of Nick and he's like, I'm fed up with this. Stop talking to me. I can't talk to you now. I don't want to talk to you and I don't want to talk to David. Natasha comes over and and um to to offer her sympathies and Nick has to say to her, please ask Sam not to send any post here. He tells her about the card and she's like, oh dear, that's I'm sorry about that. I should have explained to him what the situation was a bit better. And she says, he says to uh, Natasha that Leanne is still in denial. And she, Natasha's like, of course she is. I'd quite like to have seen some of Sam drawing this because we've been singing his praises on the... he said, like, Sam drawing this. Oh, yeah. Just, I, I don't believe that he drew that, Trey. Show me you... Show, right, now draw it again if you can draw it. <laughs> right? um, yeah, because we, we've been singing his praises from the short few scenes that he's had and said, wow, this we is a fantastic actor that we've got here. Else. I just... I'd be interested to see whether Jude, you know, how we can how he would cope in this kind of scene. Well, we don't need that as well. We've got enough going on. Gail goes into the Rovers for a triple G&T. She can't... She's she's barely holding back the tears. This was really sad to watch. This yeah, was Gail, really, again, Gail was just right today, Great performance. Jenny as well. She says, don't... Please don't... Please don't say anything nice to me because I've already... I, I can't. I've just it's done my makeup. Again. I'll cry. And Jenny says... I can't, what did she say? She, I can't promise anything, but except we'll get drunk. She, she says, I can't, can't promise to save your makeup or something yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but she yeah, grabs we'll a bottle, bottle of wine. Together. Yeah, it's not you, drunk, it's not funny drunk Jenny. It's no, this isn't sad. Time for, this no. is sad although, drunk Jenny. Although Monday we could certainly have hungover Jenny. I don't Monday's think... episode starts with <laughs> no. Jenny and Gail rolling off the sofa in the back room of the Rovers and staggering through not. going, oh, what happened last night? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. all coming back to me. Right, so doc, in the hospital, there is a confrontation between Leanne and Dr. Hospital. And she says, Leanne, I'm so sorry. I, I, you, I don't know if this is going to make it worse to hear, but if I could have done anything, I would have done it. But I couldn't, you know. She's very apologetic and sensible. I do like her. Yeah, I, I like her. I mean, a bit like we were saying with the Allahan story last week, there's you can sympathise with everybody and that's what makes, makes a good story a good story. I know, there's, this is why... There's no this is ounce why, of villainy this, from this the This is doctor. exactly why you need to flesh your villains out. Mm. Everybody it, is in their story. Everybody is the reasonable one. Yeah, 
but in I, the story of their life. But but the the doctors haven't been shown to be villains. No, they've done a really good all, job. Have, like, the thing no is, they have they're there. being very careful because they have to be, because you can't be seen to criticize the NHS. Yeah, uh, you just can't. Um, so Nick is in the flat with Natasha. He's she's trying to convince him that he's not betrayed Leanne, and he says, "I have. I wish I had." I wish I could be like her. I wish I believed as much as she did and carry on blindly because if I kept the faith like she did, I would still be with her now. I'd be with both of them. He just, he's just missing them both and he, he again still thinks that he's wrecked his relationship by telling the truth. Leanne still is not... Leanne still has not got, come to this conclusion. She's stressed out. She goes for a coffee. Steve goes in to see Ollie and this was was sad as well he says remember when i told you that next year i'd make your birthday better well i can't i can't do it yeah he's like i'm gonna have to break that promise i'm so sorry son that was (sighs) and and he's just kind of getting into the emotion of it and this is when leanne bursts in saying right right i think we we need to go on the internet again yeah i've heard of this search engine called google and here it's even better than vogel yeah and i think we should have been googling and Steve says, stop, just stop. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I can't. And yeah, she's that... like, shut up. I'm fed up with everybody saying sorry all the time. Sorry this, sorry that. Oh, I'm so, it's so terrible news, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm sick and tired of platitudes. I just want Oliver, I just want people to fight for Oliver like I am. And he starts to read out this report that the, the judge has given them about why Oliver can't be allowed to, to, to remain in this limbo of suffering on this machine that that's just basically killing him slowly she's not listening she's like don't let oliver hear it either and steve says oliver can't hear he can't hear us he's not breathing he's not alive it's a machine you you're just doing what's right for you you're not doing what's right for oliver and she all the way through this leanne keeps going just get out just get out get out just get out get out just get out and i thought this was like a quite a good script because when you are upset like leanne is you do get repetitive and you and once you get hit a certain yeah, limit fixed on it. once you hit a certain limit for somebody telling you something over and over again you just want them to shut up and she was just like get out just get out and this was her this was always her reaction to everything all the way through the storyline somebody says something i don't like get out she has the power to tell everyone to get out but now she's up against steve who is an equal partner in this situation he's the father she's the mother she can't get him to leave she can't order him out. She can't get him to shut up because he's telling the truth and she deep down probably knows this. And he says, I can't I can't support the appeal. And she immediately well, she's, begins she starts to, saying, Well, you don't love him the same as I do. No, she's, she says, I hate you for this. I hate you. Don't do this. Yeah, yeah, I, you don't love him as much as I do. So it's kind of getting give a up bit on his, almost on her, petty on because she thinks, well... She's been petty the whole time because this is like, she, she doesn't have very many weapons in her arsenal and and being petty and taking the low blow, that's that's an avenue that's open to her because she's the, vic- she's the main victim of this story because Oliver's not awake, Oliver's not conscious. So she's the victim. So she can she can punch up. Nobody can punch down to her. You know mm. what I'm saying? So she's saying she's she can do, use the low blows because she's got this excuse of this grief that she's carrying and this burden that she feels that she's the only one that is that's taken on the burden of protecting Oliver. Um, and 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 he says she says don't give up on him, and he says he's not. I'm not. He's not here. He's gone. He went ages ago. Why would the doctors even lie? Why would they lie? And I I do love him, but I'm not going to support the appeal. And he leaves. 
And the nurse, she starts weeping just because I guess now she's wondering, can I do it by myself? Mm. Is he going to oppose me? Is it, is it now going to be me and him against each other before I can appeal? And will it be too late? I don't know. She's crying. She's crying. The nurse comes in again and she just says, leave me alone. <sighs> then we see Steve sitting outside um, the hospital on the bench. He sees the man from earlier and he's like, how's your kid? And the man says, oh, he's going to, she's going to be okay. Aren't, aren't they brilliant here? And Steve's like, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah, it's, it's like him saying that they are actually, so... And it is also they like... They have done all they can. And it's also like life goes on. That's the sad part though, isn't it? Mm. Um, Leanne ends the episode and it's like Groundhog, Groundhog's Day because she's reading Mr Tickle again. Back to number one. So it's like we've gone all the way back and she's still stuck in this... She's stuck in a labyrinth in her own mind of not being able to accept accept it it's like a mental prison that she's built for herself and she's torturing herself with yeah this idea and... that she's the only person who cares and she can she can save him but she knows she can't yeah and and i think that you know probably there'd have been a good chunk of viewers seeing this and going oh God, why leanne why can't How you can see she be back here again but and and before tonight's episode started i was thinking you know, I, I think I want tonight's episode to be the one where he dies. Or it was obvious the way that the appeal was, so the, the case was going to go. So would they have switched him off at the end of tonight's one? I was thinking maybe now was the time. But seeing the way they did it, it felt to me like, no, I don't think Leanne would have given up this easy. I, I don't know what's going to make Leanne see that it's the right thing I've to do. You, because though, she's it, got to. Yeah. It will happen. But You said we had this discussion about wh- how will she come to the realisation because this story has to end with Leanne accepting the truth otherwise this is going to be even more heartbreaking this story has to end with some kind of closure for us as the viewers to see that Leanne's, Leanne could at least accept the death yeah. of her son so she's going to have to come to this realisation and you will adamant that it would be Steve that would make her see but now Steve has seen the light and and he's tried to convince her and she still won't have it so well, if Steve it's got can't to come so it's, it's yeah, got to come from her yeah it has to just for the emotional impact of the story she has always felt like she was alone mm. and she's she and she has to i don't know how she how it's going to happen i don't know what they're going to pull out of the bag to to make her, uh, you know, Leanne have this epiphany. Because she's she's kind of on her own, isn't she? she? She has pushed a lot of people away, like Gail and Nick and, and Steve now, but well, there still are people who will come and sit with her. Yeah, this new but... nurse that we saw might be integral in some manner because she appeared for the first time this week and she seems very sympathetic and she said to Leanne... You know, she she she's she's spoken. She's been in scenes like three times. The first time she was like telling Sarah what to do. Then she came in when Leanne was crying to see if she was all right. And then there was another scene where she was doing a handover to another nurse that was going to look after her. And she said, "Leanne's all by herself now." And that yeah. was kind of you know symbolic as well. The, the character wasn't particularly needed unless she's going to have something. I to hope do, that maybe. she's going to do know. something. I don't know. But you're right. I think. Something, somebody's going to say something to Leanne and she's going to realise. I mean, it could have been that she'd seen this guy outside and... 
I know, but it didn't happen like that, did it? No. It's not gonna. She's never gonna hear somebody else going, "Oh well, my my daughter, my son, blah blah blah," and go, "Yeah, well, I'll sacrifice my child." That's how she would see it in her head. Mm. She's not gonna sacrifice anyone for Oliver. No. And she shouldn't ever be in a position to have to make that choice anyway. That's not a parent. You know, that's, the parents should be asked to do that ever. Mm. So I, I don't really know what's going to happen next. I don't, I don't think that the appeal is going to happen. No. I, I, think I hope it doesn't, because that would feel like dragging it out a yeah. little bit. It needs to happen quickly. I, I, I would hope that next week, maybe, she might have the realisation. But I, I, I can't it's just very put bleak, it together it? in my head it's, how um, it's going to... Only this was this feels like such a bad idea to have done this storyline during a pandemic at near Christmas where everyone's in lockdown, we're all miserable, it's dark and raining outside, and we're we're like cuddled on the sofa watching a woman scream for her child to not be killed by the NHS and you think I hope I hope we'll get put out of our mysteries soon. Maybe she's just going to be reading through those Mr. Men books and she gets to Mr. Face the Facts and then that's what makes her realise. Uh, I hope that the next book isn't Mr. Fake News because <laughs> she might start to reevaluate. Um, this is just desperately sad. This has made me want to cry several times reading this out. It, it, is, very, it is very, very sad. I can still watch it with a, you know, with my right sense of humour about it all, but... but and, and there wasn't anything tonight that's got me feeling the same way as, you know, when I get very, very rarely when something gets me shaky and quivery and, and, and overly emotional and anything like with Haley on a deathbed. There was nothing like that, but I was watching it throughout a lot of it, just very, very much in awe of Jane's performance. Yeah. And, um, Amazing again. And just, yeah. But the relentless thinking, oh, what, misery. What would you do in this position? I am, I, I can't take another year of Coronation Street throwing the relentless misery of a medical diagnosis. Because it is literally 12 months after Sinead, isn't it? We can't have this again. No. I can't cope. Uh, I, I mean, it, it just seemed to me that they may be, and, and this is just a bit conjecture, that they saw how well the Sinead storyline did, how it got people talking, how it got the ratings up. I mean, you can't deny that it grips the, people. The, the cynic in you would say, so they thought they'd do it again, and how can we top this? Yeah. How can we top some young bride I'm not saying they dying of cancer? I guess I'm not trying to say they shouldn't have done this story, because obviously I think this is really powerful, and it and it's, it's explored a lot more different avenues of storylines than I thought it would do initially. They've done a really good job of of using it as a lens to explore relationships between different characters and what would you do, that kind of... That's what soaps are really good at, bringing bringing causes to life, helping you to see perspectives. You get to see a lot more... I don't know how much of this is really realistic to what it's like, but you get to see sort of how the NHS works, what happens if, you know, you don't agree with the doctors, who's on your side. It feels you know. to me like it's... That they uh, that they have heard case uh, studies yeah. and spoken to people. But and... to me, this feels like the definitive terminal illness storyline. This feels like this is the we can close the book on it now, and put it on the shelf and not open it again. Mm. Do, you, do you see what I'm saying? They've done this so well, and you would have thought there was no more room for them to get anything new out of a storyline to do with a terminal diagnosis after last year. But they have. They've managed to 
Yeah, look at but, it in a different way. Again, I don't want to. <laughs> it's too traumatic. I can't take it's it. It's interesting how when and they I don't had imagine. To... What, I can't imagine how you would feel if you were a parent watching this, especially if you're a parent who's been through this. I, you, I different parents will feel different things. Like, like with all these kind do, of stories, some people think this is quite cathartic seeing yeah, somebody else right. going through it and yes somebody they get how I felt yeah. and other people saying no I can't watch this yeah. but no I, th- I found it quite interesting how when they had to stop filming for Covid and get rid of all the kids on set people were saying how can they do this Ollie storyline now without Ollie in it and actually I think that I mean I, I know he's been comatose on the bed the whole story but if if they had had more of a focus on Ollie and maybe if he'd stayed conscious for longer I don't think it would have been as good I think that putting the point in the lens squarely at the adults and and everyone who was affected by it and almost making ollie the 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 very minor character in his own story it's it's only helped i have heard people criticize it for that reason and say that it would be powerful if we got to saw it, see it from his point of view and i can certainly see that but it it didn't feel like it was supposed to be about that no I, i'm still sort of noticing that they're hiding Oliver behind various bits of hospital equipment, which is a shame. But um, they're putting him him in it a lot they, more. They, they are a lot more now. You're right. They're, they must have brought him back in. I'm really wondering because it's odd because there are some. They said at the time, "Oh, we've got stock footage of him in bed," and I'm wondering how much they're reusing, how much is that? But it it feels like he's been in. For a bit and and maybe he hasn't which means they're doing a good job because there's there's been some scenes of like the back of say steve's head with ollie in the foreground haven't there there, have there been was a, couple a scene of scenes where with... somebody patted him on the head yeah yeah exactly is that a new scene or is that where they got ollie's mum in like they had with tiana when they had tiana's mum in to to, to stroke her, to yeah. stroke the head yeah to hold her to get her to stroke the head i think it's been uh, as best as they can it's been fine and i would and i, and I continue to say that for the whole of the coronavirus um, social distance filming apart from the odd and it really is the odd scene where it looks like hmm, they're all spaced far apart like when on the street today when Leanne sorry <laughs> not Leanne uh, Simon and Tracy and Amy were st- coming walking down the street like, <laughs> like some kind like, of 90s boy band it, no it felt like um like a showdown at the sheriff's yeah. office or and something. also the um the underworld party at speed dial but really, those kind of scenes to me are few and far between, and I am I am not noticing. I'm the starting to forget. Distancing. I'm starting to forget that it's that it's going on, and I also have seen people criticise Coronation Street for various things that have happened because of lockdown. They wouldn't be able to happen and stuff. And I, you know, we've got to get over it now. I oh, can't. Yeah. I can't be sitting there going, "Oh, they wouldn't be allowed to have a an office party in in Speed Dial because of COVID restrictions." It's like, no. We can't expect them to be a hundred percent on everything. Everything that happens when stuff happens, you know, we we get like forty eight hours notice for some things that mm. are going to change. You can't criticize Corey for not keeping up to date with it because they were never really were full up on it to start with. Yeah, it feels like fine. it feels like a sketch of what coronavirus is in this country rather than a really fleshed out, you know, oil painting of of the situation and i'd yeah. rather have it like that to be honest i'd mm. rather then they not worry too much yeah i, th- I think they've, they've got the balance just right honestly yeah. i think they have um it seems like we've covered most of the storyline as it's gone i did want to give a bit of a shout out to elliot who i don't think we've seen before this week had we i can't remember um if he had it was only a little bit but i think that the casting of him was just right because sometimes on coronation street they have the 
the, the what should be serious characters, but they get played in the campy ways, like the you know the reporters or the lawyers or or what have you, and 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 they go over the top a little bit with it. And um, you thought I, Elliot was. I thought that Elliot was just right. I think he was just the right level of seriousness. There wasn't an ounce of of comedy in his performance, and Why it, would it there be? just not because, like I said, often on I Coronation can't Street, that. I can't remember make, an example of this happening. I can't. I'll take your word for it. I can't think of very many <laughs> characters that are supposed to be serious. That oh, was come it that time? Was it just serious? Was it that time that Sinead's doctor turned out to be Patch Adams? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, no, I, I just I, I thought it was just right. I like that. Job, I also Elliot. liked the court set. Yes, hooray, we've got a court set. Where is Which it? Which has been teased. Yeah, oh, yeah. where is it? Somebody tell us, where is the court set? Because it's, it's not huge. It's about time they had a court set. And it's not, it? it's not grand. No, but, it um, looks very boring and plain, doesn't it? And very modern. Yeah. I, pref- I'd like, I like my courts to be in an old musty building with really dark wood panelling mm. and like a massive podium with a judge wearing a white powdered wig. Yeah, so when they've had court that's scenes... That's the only sort of... Well, actually, no, that's not right. When they've had court scenes on Coronation Street before, they've had to go outside yeah. of the ITV set to be able to film it. And and I think they said at the time that um, the reason one of the reasons they had to push back Yasmin's court set is because literally they didn't have anywhere to within Media it. City to film it. So over the past six months, they have made it this. It does make me wonder whether they always had the plan to do this or if they thought, we can't... Maybe they've maybe they've got rid of something else. Yeah, but quite possibly. They, they haven't got rid of the hotel set though, and they haven't got rid of the hospital set. So I don't know whether this is permanent. It really should be. I mean, I would buy this as being the court set every single time they have a court case from now on. Yes, but I still, I I don't want Corrie to come out of this pandemic thinking we never have to do any location shooting no, I agree again. With you. We can think of ways around it. It's cheaper if we don't do location shoots because yeah, I, I know. it is starting to get a little bit. But listen, bit... wouldn't it be nice if we could have um, location shoots, but they weren't for the same old things all the time? Like, oh, we have to go and do a court case. We have to go to a hotel. It's nice they've got these generic uh, used almost more you know more than annually sets or in-house and then they can do something slightly more interesting when they go location if, if they would use it for Shooting. that that'd be like, great I, but... I want to see more on the street stuff i want to see them going to town i want to see them walking around the shops you know that's what i like i'd to love see. that but i just i suppose the practicalities no, of, of course you couldn't do it now yeah. But what I'm saying you is... You could do it if, listen, now because the shops are all now. shut at the moment. Listen, Manchester's a ghost town probably. What I'm saying is... If you've got a choice between filming a location shot in a boring generic court mm. or making a boring generic court in your in in your as a set and then going location shooting somewhere completely different, like a haunted house where Shona gets shot, like we had before. Oh yeah. Stabbed. Let's do it that way. Yeah, I guess. I just think that court wise I it's I'd be sh- it'd be a shame if there wasn't, you know, the the big steps down. But I don't know what. Yeah, they they probably the judge on high. It is, an in- it is interesting to consider, you know, where this is and what they're doing, and is it going to be? Can they flip it to something else? Is this a nice big room they can use for anything? It it feels like it can be quickly removed and put up because it was basically a load of tables and. But and I a mean, desk. I mean, I've only ever been in a court thingy twice. Once when I was doing my court reporting for mm. a murder, murder case. 
and once when it was um, a family court and the family court was basically like big at school and there were just tables in a big circle mm. it just feels and that it was like in an anonymous office building so if I, this was a very nice happy medium between those two i think it's a bit more realistic i just feel like if if yasmin's trial is also in this set which it I feels like why wouldn't it be if they've it got feels it like it'd a bit be like anticlimactic yeah thing but you need to have the gravitas of a real big wood panelled court i do like nice wood panelling um and then you know the different heights and everything and we need a gavel we don't care if they're real or not <laughs> so anyway but well, i guess we'll see in a few weeks because that feels like it's um, it's coming up very quickly that particular trial um it feels like this really is doing a great job this this story is doing a great job of what it set out to do um if it was if it set out to throw the cat among the pigeons make a bunch of people change shake up a bunch of relationships have everybody get to have a little sad scene where they talk about their feelings get jane danson some award nominations she oh really yeah deserves she, it. she and um she and uh shelly are gonna be gonna be competing i think get everybody crying get get uh, some good um coverage for a charity hopefully get them some really nice big donations off the back of this yeah um it's a really really powerful story they've done a really good job of it mm. and the other thing is it still feels like it, there's stuff that hasn't been said or done and that's the, that's what you want to leave a story you kind of want to leave a story with avenues unexplored because that means that you haven't you know, just gone over and over and over the same ground over and over again in a bore, really boring and dull way. Yeah. Like we said loads of different things about where they could have gone with this and they haven't. And I think that makes it, mm. that, that means that they're done, they've done a good job. Speaking of, of the future, do you think that Nick and Leanne will come through this? Will they be back know. together again? Nick doesn't seem to think so, does he? I don't know if you're just being dramatic. I, it feels like if she's going to see the light or for, for, back, for lack of a better word and agree for them to, to let Ollie die peacefully she might realise that she's been a massive cowbag to many of the people who are just <laughs> trying to support her in this and maybe she, and she will get with him there's still going to be the you know the awkwardness of Sam being around but may, I, maybe yeah, she will I really really want them to, I actually do want them to come back, get back together now I think I'd love to see Leanne just Accept a big hug from Nick. I like them and together. Cry into we can't his have a arms. Hug. I know, I know, you can't have that. Maybe this is why they're breaking them up. That was another funny bit today when Sarah came over to Nick's house and and she was talking to him and he and she said, Do you want a hug? And he's like, No, get out of here. What do you mean, you weirdo? Why would we start hugging now when there are COVID I do, restrictions? I really I do wonder when they're going to be able to start doing that again. It, like when they stopped it. And, and, and Curry came back in, in the summer and it's like, we, we're not allowed to have anyone hugging. And it's, it's like, okay, I, I can put up with that for a while. No hugging, no fights <laughs> and everything. But it's like, but, but why? But, 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 but when please, will they be able to do it that It really again? feels like, yeah, I, I do want Nick and Leanne. I, I don't normally care about that group of characters and who they, like Nick, Leanne, um, Carla, Peter, Peter, Carla, I don't care. 
but I do actually like Nick is so invested in this relationship and he's so sad about he's he's more sad about losing Leanne than losing Oliver and I can understand that but bloody hell don't tell Leanne that <laughs> um I just kind of want them to get back together and I've never really felt that strongly about them at all I, I think I I feel like they belong together but yeah. then I, I would say that about Steve and Tracy as well and I know for both of those there are people that feel completely different yeah, about it and, and get them split up they're bad for each other no they're but wrong I, I think that she she needs well, him as a shoulder to cry and I good, think it'd be quite sweet if they reunite I'd be all for oh, that the good thing is that the government has secured several million Covid vaccination oh, yes, doses and I week. have seen the list of priorities and it sort of goes f- from oh, 1 to 11 me? I'm like round down the bottom right 1 to 11 so number 1 is like care home workers and residents mm. so they get it and then it's like Everyone over 85, everyone over 75, everyone over 65, everyone over 55. So is it literally just by age? Yeah, it's literally it's by age. not the SOAP actors get it second. But it should be SOAP actors. <laughs> it should be like, right, the Queen, <laughs> Philip, Charles, William. Well, they get caught in the uh, the age-related categories yeah, they, anyway. Yeah, they get it first, just to ensure the continuity of the throne, which is obviously the main thing that this country is working towards. <laughs> Speaking of which, new series The Crown starts on Sunday. <laughs> Ooh, exciting. Um, Megan and Harry, I'm sorry, you're going to have to get yours from America. Um, <laughs> yeah, then we've got... That, then it should be um, soap actors and good morning television presenters. Yeah. Then probably podcasters from around, to think. <laughs> and, like, I'm surprised it's not being done by profession. I it don't should know be NHS. teachers are over there Te- teachers are, have less I'm protection. risking my life every day you have less protection than every single other profession because you you're not allowed to wear masks and the no, kids I am don't. allowed to wear masks you are now but you weren't before no it was it was it was advised not to it's like yeah. you could but you you, you probably you, but shouldn't be was the general you. feeling yeah it's like wearing a crash helmet driving your although car. it's different in secondary schools where they do all have to wear masks i know but it's silly because mm. because like nhs workers and um shop workers and stuff they're all allowed to wear masks yeah. and, and gloves and sanitize everything anyway should definitely be at the top to get and maybe we should prioritize it by storyline <laughs> yeah <laughs> if the government hasn't thought this through at all we're yeah. number we're like number 11 like under 55s i think yeah do, do they go by the results of the Corypedia ultimate character server <laughs> look at the list <laughs> Of the He's top, the life. ranking of characters. So it's like, right, David Nielsen gets it. Um, who else? Maureen Lippman's got yeah, it. Yeah, come in, Maureen. You, you get, what, what's she got? A Damon and, and a COVID Helen injection. Worth. Sally, uh, Sally Denver gets it. And um, yeah, sorry, some of the ones that were towards the bottom of the list, but the viewers have spoken. Sorry. And I think it'd be a really nice uh, gesture for the arts. The government yeah, did that. Yeah, the government screwed them over for the rest of the year, allowing them all to... I mean, yeah, get the people back in the theatres. Yeah. Give them all a nice injection. And that's what we've got to say about coronavirus. <laughs> should we move on to the next story? I think story? we should shut up because we don't know what we're talking about. But definitely the Queen should get it first. <laughs> okay, fine, the Queen can have it. So, um, next story. I'm going to do the rest of the storylines because they're so short and fairly insignificant to the rest of the week I think uh, and, and Jeff has done such a good job of telling us what happened in the Leanne storyline sorry Ollie Leanne's got centre stage now I guess I'll take over here um, ugh, that's my noise to to describe the other stories this week don't so take we... too long about it because we've already done a really long right Todd Paul Billy Eileen is getting Todd to do the Hoover on Monday or else he's going to have to just get off his ass and get a job so he's like 
what, what's worse, hoovering number 11 or going to get some work? I know. It's really easy to get a job on this street. I just saw the Winters do it a few weeks ago. Sarah, can I have a job, please? Yes, you can, says Sarah. So now Todd is joining the the growing population of the street that are working behind the scenes at Underworld. I don't think that they're actually a, an underwear factory anymore. I think they're starting a large private army. Maybe you're right. Um, Paul is not happy, happy that Todd is working at the factory, however, because of... Well, he doesn't like Todd hanging around because of the whole Billy thing. Um, so I, I've, I'm still definitely, definitely enjoying Todd much, much more, like, like huge amount more than I was at the beginning. And so some of the looks that he's giving, he's got the confidence, he's got the cockiness. And there was a little bit in this scene where he's there just sitting, a, sitting back in his seat in the office and he gives Paul a little wink through the window. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was just right. Um, so... Also in this story, we've got the, the whole bishop thing and Billy tells Nina in the cafe that the bishop is coming over later and he may have a new job at the end of the day. Nina doesn't seem to think it's hopeful. He, she thinks that the bishop's coming over to break it to him face to face. So nice one, nice niece one, Nina, who's a bit of a downer Niece there. one. Niece one, Nina. Um, and I was getting a little excited on her that the bishop was coming around because I hoped that it would be John the bishop who was um, the one in charge from before. But there was a new bishop in town and it is Bishop Greg. Um, back to the underworld stuff. They have an impromptu um, work gathering, outing, team building, buffet, team building exercise um, at Speeddale. So Jeff and Alia have agreed to close down the whole of Speeddale for a couple of hours, just so what five people, six people could have a film quiz in there. Not so good for finances well, when no, I think that they're already struggling. No, because they can't actually open as a restaurant unless they're on Coronation Street. So actually they're doing better than most of the restaurants in Manchester. <laughs> True. Um, okay, so they're, they're all split up into teams. Kirk's doing this film quote quiz. Todd seems to know all the answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, Todd and Alina win the quiz and the fun bonding session of five employees plus Adam is over because yeah Adam's there isn't he just just for bleeps and giggles um Paul is a little bit <laughs> squiffy and, and heads home uh this is where Greg the bishop shows up and it's like you know what's gonna happen Greg's gonna turn up Paul's gonna disgrace himself Billy's gonna wonder whether he's got the job yes that is exactly what happens um, but it's good news. He is given the job. He's often the archdeacon's post. Um, and then Greg goes to the loo. That was his first mistake. No, his first mistake was offering him the job. Maybe Greg was just really nervous about giving the job to or offering the job to Billy. It's like, I don't I think Jesus, I can hear him. He's going, no, why? What are you doing? <laughs> he is, he's it's a bag of nerves. It's birthday. All I want for my birthday don't is to not have him anywhere near the church. Billy. What are you doing? He's send, useless send at him. him. Send him to the, some, to the colonies to convert the natives. <laughs> send him to America. Um, anyway, this is when drunk Paul turns up, starts stripping in the lounge for <laughs> whatever reason. Then, oh, this is... And, and um, Billy's going, don't do it, don't do it. There's the bishop in the toilet or something. <laughs> the bishop in the bathroom, wasn't it? Yeah. And then <laughs> Paul's calling out for him. I'm going, not... oh yeah, bishop in the bathroom. Is that what you're calling it now? This was this was a bit. This is the wrong side of silly for me, I have to say. But then Greg comes out, and it's all a little bit awkward. Um, and Billy's like saying, "Paul, Paul, get to bed." And Paul's goes, "He's sex mad, him." Um, and Greg is 
finding it all a little bit awkward and leaves and says he's going to call Billy tomorrow. I just don't know whether you would be okay with even offering a post to somebody who was living in, as they inverted commas, living in sin. I know. Like, I, I, I don't care. All of a sudden. I, I personally don't care. All of a sudden, Weatherfield or um, church has become incredibly accepting. I just don't Where a few know years how ago, many unmarried vicars living with partners there are in the, the church. Of that England. are also, that are men. That are being promoted to be archdeacons. That have taken drugs in the church just I, a couple of years ago. I would love it if, if the church was accepting in this manner. But I don't think... I don't think they all are, I don't, but you I never think, know. You've got to start somewhere. On an individual level, many of them are. But as an institution, not famously accepting, are they? They'll be making women archdeacon next, oh, Jabba. no I mean. way. <laughs> what, like the actual archde- archdeacon of Manchester is? Shut up. Um, anyway... Um, that, that's kind of it, isn't it? Oh, no, there's a little bit more of Todd and, and, and Adam um, in the, uh, in the speed dial later. Where, what? They, it really, they were right when they said it's a slippery slope letting women in. Because <laughs> now look where we are. Todd, lets, uh, Todd says sorry to Adam for abandoning him because do you remember when before he disappeared they, they, they were setting up a promising lawyering firm together? <laughs> oh, yeah. And now he's gone off. Yeah, he, Todd should be apologising to Imran for... Um, for coming back and maybe getting him out of no, a job. No, Imran should be saying thank you to Todd for buggering off. Yeah. Give him a job. Anyway, Adam says, it's fine. And oh. also it's calmed down with Billy and Paul later. Hooray. So next morning, Paul seems a bit more hungover than he should have been. I didn't think he was that drunk on Monday I night. I think that, he was pretty drunk. That he didn't know, he couldn't remember what happened. But then having never been blind drunk myself, I don't really, I've never I experienced... Understand. I've, not knowing what happened the night before I've and how ne- much it would take you to get there. I've, I've never, ever got so drunk I don't remember what happened apart from once. When was that? This, we need to know this story. No, but this... Forget about this Coronation Street. <laughs> the nation needs to know. The world needs to know. This is such an embarrassing story. I. It was, like, years ago. I think it was, like, New Year's Eve or so. It was some kind of party or something. And it was around the twins dad's house because our friends used to live around the corner from us and the both of them lived there and then well it's a long story but basically three of my best friends live around the corner from us and so we could go around there and it'd be fine everyone could get home without worrying anyway that's not even part of the story i just remember coming home very merry and i went to bed but was that, the, where was i at you this? were there as well but in the morning i woke up and my Pants were in the toilet. Oh, yes, I remember that. You had your <laughs> in the toilet. I don't know why. I still don't know why or how they got there. I don't remember taking them off. I don't know why I put them in the toilet. I must have just gone, this will do. <laughs> I threw that in the toilet. I don't know what that anymore. I don't know what happened. Yes. I don't know what. That, that's the only time I ever... <laughs> and that was about probably seven years ago. That was only knickers in the toilet. You probably would have noticed if, if I you'd if I'd come in home in the, the middle of you having a job interview <laughs> with your with like what would it be the head of uh, Michael Gove when he was head of education. If Michael Gove was there, I'd shove him down the toilet <laughs> and flush it. Um, anyway, back to Coronation <laughs> Street. That, that, this is much, that was a bit of a sidetrack. That's fine, much more interesting. Um, anyway, Paul Paul needs uh, to be exp- have it explained <laughs> to him what he got up to in front of Greg the Bishop yesterday. And it's all a bit awkward. 
Um, and then the conversation turns to Todd, and Paul says, look, I, I know, I got a bit drunk because of Todd being there, I'm not happy, I'm a bit uncomfortable, I'm a bit, a bit nervous with him, you know, maybe muscling his way back in again, but he promises, no, I can handle him, I know we're solid, Billy, which is soap talk for... We're on the rocks. Yeah, we're, we're, Todd's going to be bedding one of us at some point in the near if future, or if not trying to... Yeah, if not both, exactly. I can see this being a very happy... Uh, what's it called? When you have menage a trois. No, no, well, no, like a poly- polyamorous. Oh yeah. Relationship. How's the church with that? Uh, fine. Anything <laughs> goes in Weatherfield. Just clergy. do what you like. We're fed, we're fed up with even trying to keep tires on you people. Yeah, with with Emily Bishop having abandoning them. She's she gone. was the one. She, she was the, the one that was stopping it. Yeah. Backbone of Weatherfield, <laughs> and she's left. So we're not trying even trying to keep up appearances anymore. There haven't been a fresh flower in that church for nine or ten years. <laughs> I feel sorry for the friends of Weatherfield Hospital. I wonder how they're coping without all her generous charity work. Well, you can see how, how they're coping. Not at all. That's why Dr. Hospital's running around doing everything by herself. There's only one hospital room in action. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody always gets the same bed. If there's more than two people sick in Weatherfield, sorry. We have to pick which one's the most popular and kill You're going to Leeds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is where Billy does his classic curry fake-out when he gets a phone call from the bishop. and This was I, odd. Uh, yeah, it, it was odd because the way he was reacting definitely, definitely made it seem like he hadn't got the job. And when he hung up the phone, you said, what was it you said? Like the, the bishop was must have wondered, does he actually want the job? No, no, because no. he seems disappointed well, he by was it. like, oh, OK, OK. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Thanks, brilliant. And on the other end of the phone, the, the archdeacon's there, or the, the bishop's the bishop, there going, Billy, you know, I know it's really embarrassing. And Billy's like, yeah, I know. He's like, yeah, well, don't worry about it. We understand these things happen. We've got very many gay vicars around the country with living boyfriends who get drunk on a Monday, on a Monday, Wednesday. Don't worry about it. And and um, Billy's like, going, yeah, okay, I understand. And he's going, no, 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 you've still got the job. I still want to offer it to you. And Billy goes, okay, okay, I'll talk later. And then the, the bishop's going. I'm really confused. <laughs> yeah, I screw thought, you, I've just I really offered thought, you a job I, when I, I really shouldn't have done. I an olive branch here to you and you are probably the worst candidate we've ever had. I mean, uh, back in medieval times, you know, they were all shagging the nuns, so that was a bit different. I really, trust you not really to do that. want to know what the competition was in this. I can't even begin to imagine. Somebody who's still on drugs. <laughs> Somebody's going, I promise I'll give it up. I'll give up the smack if you make me like to deacon, I promise. Oh, he's on the incense, isn't he? You can imagine him there. <laughs> he's got a big lung full of it. Um, anyway, he, he says to... Um, he was, he's, with, he's with Paul, isn't he? He's like, yeah, I haven't got a job. Not really. I'm the new Archdeacon of Weatherfield. <laughs> of course I am. Just me, in time Billy. for Christmas. Yeah, I'm gonna, he's going to be Bishop Billy next and then Archbishop Billy and then he's going to be King Billy. Head the Church of England. That's going to be that's going to be the seventeenth story. Archbishop of Canterbury um, is the main job, isn't it? Um, yes, that is the main job. Yes, of C of E, apart from the Queen. Yes. Um, so Paul. Turned... He should have married Charles if he wanted to get in there. Yeah, that's the only way in. Uh, Paul turns up for work. Sarah says, "Look, don't need any more aggro. Thank you very much between you and Todd." And he says, "Okay." Todd sees Paul and they check they're fine. But when Todd invites him for a hot pot later, he's turned down. Paul says, I don't need you. I don't need you in your hot pot. So, um, I Todd... can go down carp and get one. So Todd goes round the Rovers later and finds Billy and Paul having a bit of a chin wag and says, can I see Summer, please? And <laughs> Billy says, um, look, I don't trust you. You swanned off without a binaural leave a couple of years ago and I do not want to be telling Summer and getting her hopes up about you being back until she herself is back from Geraldine's house 
in the near future. I don't know <laughs> when this is supposed to be happening. So, no. And Todd says, well, I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. And that was okay. that story. That was that um, silly story. I'm sad that they replaced John the Bishop with Greg the Bishop. They replaced John the Bishop with Greg the Bishop. Old Summer with New Summer. Old Todd with New Todd. Yeah. Do you think they got rid of John the, the Bishop because they he allowed... Billy's shenanigans. Maybe. And and this new one yeah, is ra- like... Rather than just casting him aside, they, he took him to rehab. <laughs> took him to vicar rehab. You've allowed this bishop... I mean, this... Um, the amount of vicar's been flung off the side of a cliff since you've been bishop, John, is <laughs> too high. Yeah. Um, I don't so, know why he's the archdeacon. I don't know what an archdeacon is. I don't know what difference it's going to make. helper. It seems it's silly because maybe it's just maybe anyway. it's literally just an excuse or a reason why we'd never see him at church because everyone's always said we never see Billy doing any actual vicaring we barely ever see him doing any services now he's got a perfect excuse never to do any services but they'll probably still you know wheel him out next time somebody wants to have a church wedding which isn't very much because obviously the bistro is the place to do it these yeah. days but imagine being married by the archdeacon mm. that's that's super duper isn't it it just seems like too important a position for somebody on, in Coronation Street to have. I suppose they've had mayors they've in the got, past, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they've got a, a professional footballer living at number three. Yeah. And now they've got an archdeacon. <laughs> what happened to its gritty working class roots? I know. These days it's Seriously. full of professional footballers, archdeacons. And, and business owners. Factory owners, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, and everyone works. Everyone who isn't an archdeacon or a professional footballer works at the factory now. Yes. Um, what's including Todd? What do you think about Todd in the factory? I think he could be quite good, but I mean, I'm, I'm well, still not sure. Well, surely he's going to wipe the floor with everybody else as far as being a salesman goes, because I mean, they're not. He has got as the gift of the gab. They're not known for anything other than forcing you to buy something you don't want. Has Todd done any sales before? I can see that the, the job would suit him. No. Equally, I could see that he might not... Well, he, Would he lower himself to sales if yeah, he thinks he's he such a, a high-flying lawyer? If he gets a good commission. But why in the knicker factory? I would have thought he'd be like... He, he should be like a car salesman Michael, or something. Michael, I think you've forgotten the fact that the only reason he's got this job is because he didn't want to do the hoovering. <laughs> it's not exactly had high ambitions. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I think he fits okay. There's, there's uh, really, it's really just a big mystery. I, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing him what with Sarah because obviously yeah, they've got Sarah a history together. And Paul. Paul, I'm, t- I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in Paul, Billy, Todd romance. It's something's gonna happen, I guess. I'm just feeling a bit meh about it. Come on, get it over with, really. But yeah, I, I, I think before long. Who's it going to be? If you could put your money on, is it going to be Todd and Billy or are Todd and Paul going to discover that, that storeroom together? The way that... Todd and Paul or Todd and Billy? The, the way that there's this antagonism between Todd and Paul... This is what I'm thinking. Which is, you know, classic, like, so yeah. this is how romance starts, makes yeah. me think it's probably going to be so, those two. Soap operas are like play, playgrounds. Is, is Billy going to... If you tease the girl, you, you actually Yeah, is her. Billy going to be so caught up in his archdeaconing that Paul feels shunned? Probably, it probably will be that. It'll probably be loads of like, oh, I've got to go and meet up with the mayor about uh, blessing the font at the new... Leisure Centre. 
<laughs> if we do not know what archdeacons <laughs> do, it's what something like do. that. We're running out of holy this water. This is going to be a learning journey <laughs> for us, isn't it? We don't know what archdeacons do. We're because be of non- Brexit, there's no more holy water coming in from Europe. What are we going to do? We need to source some. Where should we get it from? Yeah, billionaires' powers. Um, yeah, so I, uh, yeah, 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 is what I say to that. But I, I, I just got. I'm, I'm feeling completely uninspired by it. I'm not inspired by the idea of doing team building in a oh, Indian was, restaurant. That was silly, and it was over too quick. And it was yeah. a stand up buffet. That was kind of funny. Right, come on, next story. Okay, fine. Um, so the the Alina Highland Fling, which for 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 a little while I had mixed up with this because. Well, everything else is basically a big it could mishmash. be one story together, but the Adam and Alina side of thing, which I'm, I don't know what I'm feeling less excited by really. The the thought of a love triangle with Billy Paul and Todd, or a new romance between Adam and Alina, but basically they start giving each other the glad eye during this um, underworld do on Monday, um, and she's being all coy and hard to get about being walked home at the end of the evening. Wednesday, Beth says, or you, Alina, you don't get get away from Adam. He's no good for you. He's not, he's, oh no, he's, um, he's bad news, that guy. Stay away from him. But Alina seems quite chuffed to hear that he might be into her. Um, and then Sarah is obviously feeling a little bit knocked by the idea that her husband is moving on from her. Uh, and she, she has a go at him outside the factory when he keeps Beth and Alina talking about some rat that they've just seen. Yeah, what was that Which about? is, he's like a, a big mouse, says Alina. Yeah, um, she sounds like that. No, it's more like, it was a big mouse. It's a big mouse. Big mouse. Um, oh God, this is so dull. I really, do love Alina's voice. Really dull. Um, Carla says to Alina as well, you probably shouldn't be going after Adam. Carla says to Sarah, stop letting Adam affect your work. And she says, I won't. Adam sees Alina in the street and she says that she was interested in him, but it it all seems too complicated now. So for the moment, we're putting this on hold because we're not allowed to be in Friday's episode, but Monday I'm sure it's going to be back on again. And at the end of the episode, Adam and Carla are at loggerheads because he says, you got no business poking your nose into my romances. Keep Keep your beak out, Carla. And she says, look, you and Sarah are going through this messy divorce or whatever at the moment. Keep keep everyone else out of it. Sort it out yourself. I don't want this factory being dragged down because of all your splitty uppy shenanigans. And that's that, basically. So, um, yeah. Adam and Alina, Gemma, next hot new couple. Any well, any I mean, excitement there for you? You can't expect me to be excited about Adam and Alina being the next hot couple when I was supposed to be excited about Adam and Sarah being the next hot couple not that long ago. Five minutes ago, yeah. Adam and Alina would probably be married by Christmas, aren't they? Knowing the, the rate that they're moving at the moment. Could they be good together? Maybe. I don't think so. But it just smacks a little bit of, we need to give Alina something to do because she's been in it a year and a half now and she's not really got up to much I apart from having a was... bit of a romance with Seb, which yes. is actually quite sweet. And then yeah, and then that went all the completely fun out wrong, of it. didn't it? I just, I just much, much preferred Alina how she was when she came in, and I don't mean you know under the thumb of some evil slave owner. She just seemed a lot more kind of innocent yeah. and sympathetic I also and, and can't nice believe... and now she's her minxy side is coming through and it's, I, I, it's I know they don't want to get political but I also can't believe they've got another um, European character who's in the show during one of the most tumultuous times of 
change between the EU and Britain that there has been for, you know, decades since the war. And she's not commenting. Nobody's asking her. She hasn't offered her opinion. I, I understand if they don't want to get into Brexit, but they really have begged the question of what is going on with Alina and what does she think of it by having her in the show. You don't need to have um, a, a European immigrant in the show, mm. but you've put one in there and now you're not talking about Brexit. Yeah, and, and the fact that they have successfully incorporated covid light into the show and i mean even covid is stupidly political in some circles that we we have but we haven't had any of that Mm. they're trying not to be controversial yeah that that would have been a much more interesting route for for alina's journey to go down and not just throwing it around although it it doesn't want to take any risks Mm. it seems to me really i I, whenever they a lot of the time when they put couples together especially hot young couples you just can't feel invested in them because you know it's going to be over in five minutes or it's just up there for the, the magazine covers or the, the sexy steaminess of it. Sexy and we're not even going to get any of that now because of the, can't, mm. because of the, the, the social yes, distancing. Yes. But really, it seems like it's only happening so that Sarah can get niggled and niggled and niggled and end up going out with Adam. Not Adam, sorry. <laughs> Gary. In time but for the 60s. He's year. going out, he's married to Maria. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't matter. I know. It feels like it's going to be, yeah, she's going to be pushed into the arms of Gary round about the anniversary time, which also is uninspiring for me because I don't really care about Gary and Maria because what have we seen of them since Nothing. they've got married? Nothing. Or even before they got married, not much really. The, the couples are just so, so paper thin and just like, let's put these couples together, see what happens. I just can't get invested in it. Whereas, as we were saying earlier, we've had so many years of proper character building and relationship building between the likes of uh, Leanne and Nick, even though they've not been together all of the time, obviously, and they've had their ups and downs. I can I can invest so much more in them as a couple because they've they've given us something to work with and they and they've given them the time. The same with Peter and Carla, I suppose, to 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 a, a bit of a lesser extent. I think if I was a if I was Alina, I would want to date Adam, because we all know that as soon as we leave the EU, Scotland's going to want another independence vote. They're going to vote to be independent, and then they're going to rejoin the EU. So to get oh. yourself a Scottish husband is the smartest thing you can do right now. That's her plan. That's her yeah. long game. Is yeah. it? She's yeah. smarter than we give her credit for. Yeah, smarter than me. Mm. Married an Englishman. Did... <laughs> Yeah, uh, what do you think about Alina's... Has she had a personality change or was she just being suppressed do you, when, when you she say was personality enslaved? change, you're kind of insinuating that she's got one at the moment, which I don't really think she does. Just because she says everything in a really nice accent in a softly spoken way doesn't make it a personality. No, I don't... I, I can't really say what what Alina's personality is, no. which is a real shame because I so, so wanted to like her. And I, 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 I did do like, like her. I do like her, but the, only because there's nothing to dislike. Mm. She's a nice, pretty young girl, seems pretty sweet. Everything that I've known about her up till this point made me like her, so... I think I think in my head, I'm just, as long as she stays in it, there's a slim a glimmer of hope that Jan might come back, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I missed Jan. Okay, finally. Does no, make you wonder how much of that is down to the actor's availability because of Brexit. Yeah, possibly. 
Um, I wouldn't blame him, I'd go home. So, also in the factory this week, we had Sean and Michael. And Sean is wearing the most bizarre costume What the hell are you talking about? I really liked this outfit. Somebody found it. I can't remember who found it on our Facebook group. And it was... was like £60 it cost, doesn't it? I know, I know. I... Before, before, you know, up until very recently, that would have been in a parcel on its way to me right now. <laughs> I was very close, but obviously I'm not Gemma allowed to buy, buy anything anymore. No, you, Gemma likes to buy lots of clothes and then return the vast majority of them, don't you? But, or just keep them with the labels on and then never wear them. No wonder Sean is, you know, his head exploded when he found out that these football tickets were three hundred pounds. He's like, I just spent sixty pounds on a black t-shirt with some peacock leaves stuck uh, on the shoulders. I didn't think that was an unreasonable amount of money for that t-shirt. Also, he was channeling, to me, it felt like he was channeling David from Schitt's Creek. And if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it just for the fashion. (laughs) Well, anyway, it's not all about Sean's peacock shoulder t-shirt as much as he wanted it to be. Oh, go on. Now, we know Sean has worn outlandish outlandish fashion in the past. Mm. But for me, this felt like a new chapter of them saying Sean's going to wear crazy clothes. This seemed, it did, it seemed like a step up. Definitely felt like a statement piece. Mm. And I really would not mind if Sean's thing became weird clothes. Well, you know, Liz isn't in the programme anymore, so someone's I mean, got to take on the about, mantle behind yeah, the bar at the Rovers. It's about time that somebody, like, we got, we got a man who was, uh, like, um, expressed himself with fashion. <laughs> We've had women doing it for years. Maybe there's just and somebody at the costume it. department that really hates Anthony Cotton and is like, what can we make him wear this week? I loved I thought it was cool. <laughs> no, it was, it was, no, it was, it it was, was a right. bit. It, was it wasn't a bit elaborate. But it, was, it wasn't really out of character for Sean. It, it was quite too, fun, but it yeah. did raise some eyebrows. It did, yeah. It, it, it was a note It was supposed to be. It was, it was supposed to be, yeah. Anyway, um, he's talking to, to Michael and says that he's going to some some seminar was it a sales seminar later this afternoon because he he'd vowed last week it's the alarms it's the bs alarms watch out watch out it's going to be an mlm yeah which is multi-level marketing which is you have to buy stuff and sell it to your family until everybody hates you you said he's going to be an avon lady (laughs) avon's fine though avon is something people want to buy Mm. But you uh, can't, you can't be an Avon lady at the moment, can you? Anytime, Go around people's houses. Anytime your business Legal. relies on you badgering your friends and family to buy stuff that they wouldn't necessarily have bought, just forget it. Mm. This, if you, if, I don't know if anybody has watched that um, Chris Watts documentary that was on Netflix, but he's the guy that murdered his whole family. And one of the things that they left out on the documentary was that she was like knees deep in multiple multi-level marketing companies and made them nearly bankrupt several times. Well, this sounds like a story just waiting to happen. I Honestly, if they're going to go down this route, this is rife for drama. Well, they've had something, they had something similar with, um, with Derek and Norris and their dehumidifiers back in the yes, 90s, didn't they? Yes, they do. That's what they? it made me think of. So maybe, maybe that's where it's going. I just don't know which one of Michael and Sean is going to be end up being the the the, the excellent salesman. You can't I don't both argument. poach the same patch. Well, the, this is this is everything. This is this is Derek and Norris. This is what happened. They're yeah. fighting over patches. Anyway, he, he's uh, Sean's a, a motivated business type because he vowed last week that in order to impress Dylan, he is going to make a change. So he's coming along. He asked he's Michael to come t-shirt. along too. Yeah. Um, and and so they, they go off to their mind. thing. We don't get to see any of it, of course, but they come back to the street later, very excited. 
um, and they are they're selling what is it, some sort of makeup or something. Yeah. I don't I don't understand women's things. Um, um, excuse me, it's not a woman's thing, Michael. Oh no, it's not because 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 George gets to wear some later, yes. doesn't he? He tries it out. They go over to number eleven, you're and just, you're George just is Sean's your guinea pig. Life experience. If you're going to come into it with that attitude, and then really the story's not particularly about Sean and Michael anymore. It's more hints that George fancies Eileen Which because he got. says Eileen doesn't need makeup. She's beautiful as she is. But I'll take this for Mary. Yes, yes. He's he he thinks it's great. He's he's very impressed by his concealed eye bags, but. Um, <laughs> It's it's tad expensive for his taste, so he heads off. Um, it's like thirty five quid for a concealer or something. Something like that. Um, anyway, yeah. Mary comes home. Eileen tells her that George has been flirting with her, and Mary says, "Say lovey, um, I don't think me and him were suited anyway." Oh, she so, gave up quick. Yeah, ba- she did really. Basically, the 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 gates have been left Half open for Eileen and Choo-choo. George to get it on. Yeah. So just in time for Christmas. Always remember. That could be the feel-good Christmas story. Always, because we, always get we a new relationship. We need on the way things are going. Right before your birthday, Christmas or Valentine's Day. Yeah. Not so much Easter. Yeah. Also, um, we, we, learn, we, we know that there are more deaths and funerals and stuff during the winter months, don't we? So well, we know that anyway. Just to be on the safe side. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what we, that's what we, we know. We, that's we what, know, yeah. Um, so... You, you, you be on the safe don't, side get no, in with an undertaker before this time no, of year just in case you need one see you an undertaker during a pandemic he's going to be busy uh, that's what I say he's going to be off- he be raking it in yeah yeah he is he's going to yeah. be doing that Billy's going to be archbishoping so maybe Paul and Eileen um, it seems obvious now <laughs> you said it I tell you what I did quite like Sean and Michael together because they're both characters that haven't had much to do. They get carried away they're with both, themselves. Yeah, they are. They're both. Yeah, they're um, kind of infectiously energetic at times about really uh, like weird, niche things. Naively optimistic yeah, about good, everything good and their own capabilities. I don't want them to get ripped Could off. Be fun. Though. I, I like Sean. I like Michael. I'm, I'm willing to give it a go. Because uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know where this story is going, if anywhere, but. It seems like it's just an excuse for the problem, Todd to get in in the factory and now the Michael's left the path clear for him. The thing that happens with things like MLMs and stuff like that is what what you do is you're not really working for the company. You're like an independent contractor. So you don't have any protections or any kind of um, steady income. But you end up having to buy everything yourself. Like the Avon people and the clean easy people they mm. all have to buy their own catalogues that's why they get mad when you don't give them back so are we going to have number 11 stuff full of well it's going to be concealer. full of and like they do things like you have to buy a certain amount to start off with or like if you don't if you don't shift a certain amount every month you don't get a reward and so you buy the stuff to hope you sell it on and then you never do i mean it's a fairly common thing yeah, I don't know where the story's going to go apart from one of them's a good salesman, the other one isn't, or neither of them are, or... Or they end up in debt because they've bought all this product and they can't shift it. Yeah. Because the amount of people wanting to buy £35 eye bag concealers mm. in Weatherfield, not high, <laughs> is it? Well, no, that's because everyone who lives in Coronation Street is all meticulously... Uh, groomed. ...turned out and yeah. groomed. And, uh... Eye bags? What eye bags? <laughs> um, I, wonder with, I wonder with Todd working at the factory how it's going to tie in, if at all, to the, the Ray closing everything down. 
because the mm. factory could well be under ownership of Ray and potentially demolished. You know, it's not going to happen. I thought you were going to say potentially demonic. <laughs> in the next month and a half or so. So uh, maybe Todd is now going to have some personal stake in helping to take Ray oh, down, possibly. I don't, possibly. I don't know. to crusade. I He's only know. just got there. Um, final bit. Final bit. Well, we, we just had Peter and Carla getting back from their sailing trip round. Where did they go? Portugal, was it, I think? Or am I making that up? I don't know. Oh, no. I'm thinking of... Audrey in classic Coronation Street. She's just come back from Portugal. <laughs> they've gone sailing. They both did. I don't know. They've been sailing away, and um, they're catching up. It feels like that. Um, About Scott. Yeah, it feels like that storyline is going to come back to the forefront next week. It felt like they were going to go further with it on Monday, but it's basically Peter saying, "Oh, I hear you. You've been getting up to all sorts." Um, with well, Peter's kind of teasing Johnny not knowing that he's actually getting very close to the truth when he talks about Johnny being a naughty boy and always that the police that I hear coming around and Johnny's looking like he's, you know, repressing a panic attack. And Carla notices and thinks, "Mm, what's going on with Johnny? He looks like he's looking a bit guilty there. So I assume next week Carla might find out just how um, knee-deep in it Johnny is. Um, And I still think... You know that thing that I said last week when Jenny told Johnny, we're not talking about this anymore. I think that might start to cause some issues because she's going to be wanting to move on. He's clearly not got over it. So um, possibly friction there. Oh, good. We'll have to see. And that is it for this week's Coronation Street. We whizzed through those factory storylines, but it was really um, Oliver in the spotlight this week. And I think we, we gave a good old chunk of time to that. So... Time for the scores and the character of the week. To be honest, I thought that Monday and Wednesdays was relatively unremarkable, apart from some of the great stuff in the Ollie Wobbles storyline. I mean, Jane Danson was just superb this week, and I think, to be honest, most of the main players in that storyline did a really, really good job. Um, Tonight's episode was superb, and whatever trajectory this week was going on on Monday and Wednesday this week bumped up an extra point or so I mean sorry this Friday bumped up an extra point or so but yeah the the stuff that wasn't Ollie drags it down so it's a hard one really I, I, I get your finger out your mouth it feels it feels cruel in it maybe it should be higher but i don't want to just base it on this week's episode so what do you mean you don't want to base it on this week's episode no no i don't want to base it just on tonight's episode i mean (laughs) i'm i'm to and fro in because if i say three and a half it feels low but then have i just got tonight's episode in my head but then monday and wednesdays was was quite good with the ollie stuff as well now maybe i I think it's a four maybe i'll go for it it's a four but but a low four Four triple G&Ts, that will get you going, won't it? <laughs> 12 shots of G&T. I am going to give it... You don't get a shot of G&T. I don't understand alcohol. I'm going to give it four big owls or something out of, <laughs> out of five. Yeah. Um, Character of the week is obviously a yan for me. I am going to give it to Steve. Are you? Okay. I am. What? Apart yeah. from the acting... Why are you giving it to Leanne? <laughs> well, would you <laughs> from the acting? Apart from the fact that she gave a really amazing performance. So are you giving it to Jane? Best, best soap performances of, of many a year. Um, well, yeah, I've got to give it to her because she her defences are being um, 
taken away bit by bit, aren't they? And she's she's kind of and now she's truly alone mm. at the end of this week. Well, um, I mean, apart from Toya, possibly. Well, yeah. There are people around who will support her. All right. But no, I know what you mean. It's not your uh, it, it seems like a, a, a nice, obvious, easy choice to go for Leanne. Yeah, um, that's but, why I made it. But for, for character-wise, I'm going to give it to Steve because <laughs> he's had to make a really, really tough decision that no parent would ever want to make. But he has, um, and he stood up to Leanne. He's, he's letting ollie go he's he's doing it for you know it's for the best um i think simon gregson did do some good work so some of those scenes where he was reading (sighs) the mr men book the bit where he was saying sorry i'm not gonna be able to give you it was it it was absolutely not jane danson level i mean nobody can say that can they it was almost unfair to have them in the same scene because of how well it 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 was she does and he was he was keeping up just about. Yeah, but I mean... But his character is his, very difficult to switch gears. Yeah. I, 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 if, Steve, if Steve had pick. started reacting in the same way as Leanne and blubbing and screaming and being, you know, uncontrollably hysterical, it would be like, well, Steve's not like that. And, and the fact that he hysterical was kind of... Hysterical is a gendered word. Staying silent and... Shouldn't use it. Um, you know, looking very pained and reflective about it. it it fit with the character it did it was a really tough gig really he had tough a tough gig. job he had probably one of the toughest jobs because his character isn't normally like this he it did. was it was i mean jane danson it was like right just go just go this is full blast just throw all your emotions at the wall and cry and scream and you know I mean I'm not saying she had an easy job but compared to what Simon Gregson had to do which is to take a comic character and make him into a bleak sort of lost all hope kind of Hmm. tricky very tricky yeah and you you talk Corey fans talk about Jimmy Harkishin deving when he goes a bit over the top and Steve is certainly uh, Stevie when he doesn't need to and and he was steving a little bit at the beginning of today's episode when he was doing his mr men reading and he was being a bit over the top with it and a bit too well he's your character of the week so what are you saying bug-eyed and comical sort of like no i don't know i don't know if i agree but when he needed to be in the second half of the episode particularly or or even second two thirds or second two you know what i mean um I, i i think he did he did well and because of that, and because of the difficult decisions that that character had to make, and he's not gone down the easy path, and that's what I think it was him that was saying it. Like this is the this is the toughest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah. But making that decision, where Leanne is just in denial about it, and and in a, unable or refusing to to make this tough toughest decision, that's why I'm I'm giving it to Steve rather than Leanne. Actually, good. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that's it with our street talk. So let's let's uh, let's talk about some news, shall we? Okay. New time for the cabin, and Coronation Street has got itself a couple of Guinness World Records this week. I don't know why they particularly chose now to bestow these um, honours upon Coronation Street. I think they're just what like updated think? versions. Maybe it's because the 60th is coming up, but why not just wait until the 60th week? I don't know. Whatever the reason, Coronation Street has been uh, visited by Guinness World Records folks and um, handed out a couple of certificates. One for William Roach for being the longest serving soap star ever. Did he throw it back in their face? 
No, he did and not. Say, I'm not a soap actor. I'm a performing, continuing, continuous drama actor. And won for Coronation Street in general for being the longest soap opera ever. And no, William Roach is very, um, very humble. Well, William Roach has said before he doesn't like the word soap. Yeah, he remember? has. I know, I remember. Roach has said, I would like to thank the Guinness World Records for this new award. I've been very fortunate <laughs> to have been in the programme. It's a wonderful programme. Another uh, award. You are another new one. award. Another one. Coronation Street, it's which. Just a certificate there. Coronation Street, which has carried me into this world record and a lifetime of wonderful memories. No, he did quite a funny little video I saw on. Um, I was on Twitter the other uh, couple of days ago or yesterday that I saw this and he was saying all you need to do is come in on time, learn your lines and then just keep doing it for 60 years. <laughs> it was really quite funny. Aww. And it's like, it makes you think like, is he going to be picking up another one in 10 years time? It's, it feels like there's no end in sight really, doesn't there? Well, or, so, or injuries don't pay for themselves. Congratulations to William Roach and Coronation Street. Ian McLeod has also had something to say about this. When Coronation Street Tony Warren's groundbreaking visionary project launched in 1960. A columnist in the national newspaper predicted it wouldn't last more than three weeks. Six years later, I can safely say the many hundreds of people that have worked tirelessly and dedicatedly on the show have proved that the prediction staggeringly wrong. I would say thousands. It is an incredible achievement, a testament to Tony's instincts as a dramatist and proof that the characters and narrative universally designed are still as relevant today as they were then. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Well done, Coronation Street. Stick it in the trophy cabinet up by the stairs in yeah, the studio. Shove it in there so no one can see it because nobody's allowed in. This Guinness World Records bloke was also yesterday's um, 60 for 60 guest as well, I think, which we haven't even talked about in the podcast like last week, and I haven't got We're notes it for it anymore, this week. And it's like, yeah, if we're not, uh, I, I've, I'm still watching it every day, and when mm-hmm. I'm pottering around at school at 7 o'clock in the morning, I always go and have a look at it. But I can't say that I'm getting as excited every day well, to see Well, yeah, them. but we still had Corrie poems. We did, we had Rachel, didn't we? She yeah. was great that we had. Um, yeah. There's been there's been like Hollyoaks people, there's quite a few of the soaps have been there. We haven't had anyone from EastEnders yet. I'll tell you who we did have, the, the one that made me go, Oh, and that was William Shatner the other day. Oh yeah, it? William Shatner. He didn't mention part? Coronation Street in his little uh, in his little spiel, so I don't know whether he knew what he was talking about. But it was nice to see him. I my theory that I said to you was that they were trying to get to Patrick Stewart to the next Coronation Street cast member, and they went for the wrong one. Yeah, they yeah, went Star Trek conspiracy guy. Theory. He's the big Star Trek guy. Get him to do it. <laughs> there's been there's an awful lot of charity people, which is great. But you know, as hang I say, on, when, hang on. what. Think about what you're, whether you want to say what you're about to say. No, I just like to see. I just want to see more of the, you know, big, big, big names and ex cast members and everything. And my, and my hopes and dreams of, you know, you know, your Eileen Darbushers and your Sandra Goffs and your, and your, and your all that a lot. Which, what? I think it's a great thing that they're doing. But so do I. And I've got a butt. Okay, I've got no butt either. I don't, know I, what, know. I don't know what we're both sitting on at the moment, but never mind. Sofa. Gemma, do you want to do the next bit of news? No, because I don't know how to say this castle's name. Well, <laughs> you can start off, you lead, and I'll carry on. And um, I'm sure none of our Welsh listeners will mind. Beverly Callard! She's fine. You might have thought she was injured and she couldn't be in Coronation Street. But she's well enough to go in the jungle. Except it's not a jungle, it's a castle. And what's the castle called? Welsh. Welsh. I haven't seen any publicity for this, so I can only go from the spelling of G W R Y C H. Grich. Castle, which is an abac. I don't even Gally. know how to say that. Abigail, Abigail in North Wales. I don't know. I'm very sorry to all our Welsh and Welsh-speaking listeners. Um, I don't know, but yeah, they're they're not going to the jungle this year, obviously for. Um, pandemic reasons 
So they're going to live in a castle in um in Wales for a bit Probably on wish Sunday. I could go and live in a castle because there's a pandemic. Well, you're going not on. a celebrity enough to be. Oh, and I'm a celebrity, what? I'm afraid. I'm not a celebrity enough. I've as always, we've not particularly been following this. Um, I think there are some fairly big names in it this year, but I can't actually oh, name yeah, any of them what, off the I top of my head. Quite a few of them were this time. Yes, yeah, so which makes me wonder: are is it are they more famous? Or are they less famous than normal? <laughs> yeah, we only know the less famous people. Well, because, I mean, I, I don't really know lots of obscure, like, you know, reality TV stars. Mm. But I knew a lot of and these And I don't know people. who's at number one in the charts at the moment, so it's not them. I don't, but anyway, I don't think they do charts anymore. Beverly Callard's then. That could be quite fun <laughs> to watch. Um, she'll be there in a, in a um, leopard skin, I assume. So she even though they're not Sunday. in the jungle, she'll be... Still dressed for the part, I imagine. Starts on Sunday, and um, good luck to her. Hopefully, uh, I think Rebecca has said that she's going to be keeping us informed about what goes on in the jungle as usual, because we are not I'm a Celebrity Watchers. Of course, we give Bev all our very best, and I hope that she follows in the fine footsteps of other Coronation Street people and goes on to do very well in the show. She, her phobias are ghosts and insects. Yes. Um, she, yeah, she, she, you know, they always have to do these funny little surveys. More of the more of one of those than the other. <laughs> Which one? More insects than ghosts. I would have well, well, it all depends whether this castle is haunted. I, I I hear that ghosts like to live in castles. I would love to go to a haunted castle. Um, she she says people think she's glamorous because she has played Liz for so long, but she's not. Oh, I bet that she will be. I bet I bet she's got some airs and graces. I bet I bet she does. A, well, if you've been famous for too long, you start to lose track She's of, been famous. of what being She's glamorous been on Curry really means. for 31, 32 years, maybe. I reckon, yeah, I think I think she's going to be. But she's not gonna, She's I'll... not too afraid to lower herself to be cleaner in the camp. <laughs> I think sometimes celebrities think if you squeeze your own tea bags, it makes you normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says that. She says she wants to be a camp cleaner. She's going to miss her dogs and her husband, John. Yeah. And um, her dream campmate, which has sadly not come true, unless there's a late entry, is Ricky Gervais because he would keep us all going. God, Ricky Gervais wouldn't be seen dead when I was celebrating, he he, would he? Got, not after he's his so afterlife. completely rich and famous. He won't even do adverts, will he? He got offered like $2 million to do an advert. And he's he's like, too no. busy presenting the Oscars. What was he doing? No, the Golden Globes. Golden Globes they don't it. let him do that anymore. As he, uh, don't, I would hate to be anywhere near Ricky Gervais because all he does is call people out on their BS and I've got loads of it. <laughs> um, apparently, Charlie Lawson was speaking on this morning. It might have even been today, actually, or yesterday, I don't remember. And he um, let a slip something that he probably shouldn't have done, saying that he may or may not have some kind of involvement in this year's I'm a Celebrity oh, as well. Just so, like, you know, maybe he's going to pop in for a task Maybe he'll or be something. a ghost. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I suppose that it's going to, because it's just, you know, just over in Wales, it might be easier to have some special guests flown in for. The why odd do I guest don't understand spot. why they go to Australia in the first place? To be honest, well, because they couldn't have their giant tarantulas for breakfast. And... We've got tarantulas here. It's cheaper to fly tarantulas from Australia to the UK than it is to fly a bunch of t- celebrities out the other way. I don't think that at the time of year when they put on I'm a celebrity, it'd be very pleasant to have them camping out in the jungle. It's jungle, isn't it? Where are they going to stick him in, like the Forest of Dean? They're in a castle. We've got loads of castles in this country. Stick them in a castle. We haven't got very many good jungles. Why does it have to be a jungle? It's not called I'm a Celebrity in the Jungle, Get Me Out of the Jungle. <laughs> it's called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And, and the here is negotiable, surely. Well, maybe this Hence is going to be the start of a brand new trend of going to a different place every I'd year. I'd stick them down mines. Yeah, and while they're down there, they can get some coal out for me. Put in the middle of a maze next year, maybe, one of those Corn big maze. old 
yeah, yeah, exactly. One of those big old hedge mazes or something. We've got so many stately um, homes. We've got so many like. Maybe they could. Maybe they can put them in the middle of an IKEA. Perhaps that, yeah. I, they're, they're notoriously tricky to find the exits for Excellent sometimes. Excellent idea. Um, Live off meatballs and who knows what's in them. Maybe they can put them in the bottom of a giant bath and they have to climb out the sides like a spider. Like a spider, yeah. Yeah, that's just a few ideas for your ITV from us. So Bev has said that she thinks she's going to be the cleaner up in the camp. I like the way, can I just say, what? I love the way that they were like, oh God, we've got to put I'm a Celebrity on this year, but we haven't got... We can't go to Australia. What's the nearest place we've got in the UK that's like a wild jungle full of horrible <laughs> insects and creepy crawlies? Whales. Whales. <laughs> <laughs> she says, if they need me to cook, they will starve. I'm rubbish. I think I'll be okay living with strangers, but the only thing that worries me is the toilet side of things and personal hygiene. Well, I she just like needs to just having... need to crouch out of a window and go into the moat, I imagine. Well, yeah, that's what the traditional way of relieving oneself in a castle is. <laughs> that's how I believe, yeah. Exactly. Um, or, or yeah, in a bucket and pour it over the invading... Chuck it on a peasant. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> anyway, this Sunday evening, it starts. Maybe we'll watch the opening because sometimes we do that. Some years we do, sometimes we don't. We watched Jenny going in a few years ago, I remember. But good luck, Bev. I think the, only, the main difference is going to be that because it's not set in somewhere tropical and hot, they're not going to be able to wander around in their pants so much, which is good. Oh yeah, they catch they're going to be cold catch the, the whole deaths, time. They? This is the thing I'm just thinking. I'm I thinking bet, about the castle. I'm just thinking I'm cold. I bet there will. I bet there's some kind of muscle bound hunk in there, or some, you know, air headed bimbo that's going to be walking around in just their undercrackers, thinking that they're so hard. Hard. Yes. I hope they're not hard. And tough, you know. Yeah, I know. Manch- what you mean. Macho and manly and sexy. Anyway, Why are you? Why are you? that's enough. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying that there might be. Okay. That's I it, don't but... want to see anybody wandering around in their pants, even if it's a ghost. I'll tell you what. Well, no, you won't, because we're, we're not, not watching watch it. <laughs> Speaking of leopard-clad, leopard-skin-clad Coronation Street ex-cast members, yes. um, the Julie Goodyear collection, which we talked about on last um, week's podcast, is now available for bidding, <laughs> or at least it will be, by just a few hours by this. the time... If you've listened to this podcast right from the beginning, it might be available right about now. It depends when I get around to uploading it. Noon on Saturday the 14th of November. If you go over to the Willowwood Hospice eBay page and you can get a link to that from www.willowwood.info, you can go and bid on one of those many, many items There's that so Julie cool Goodyear stuff. has kindly donated um, to be bid upon for charity or, or for this Curry 60th event thing and um you so can, many lots right now we can go over there are lots of lots we can go over to the willowwood.info um website and there's a they've made a little catalogue and everything to say what sort of stuff All you can lots. get so i mean i i, I don't there's know whether few, we're there's a few reserves on these the ones that have got the made of um actual yeah there's a precious... nine carat gold here with an amethyst inside that's got a reserve of 700 pounds uh, but there, there's a few like Won't you know be buying that. There's a there's a bit of costume jewelry and mm-hmm. you know f- faux pink pearl drop earrings. There's lots of fake pearls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and they all come with um, little certificates, don't they? With with uh, with Julie's picture on, and some of them come with random other paraphernalia. Like lot six here has got a Newton and Ridley bar mat. Um, then there's like a this is quite good for lot ten, which is big pearl ear, a uh, big pearl necklace and some. Um, some, some some green stones comes with the Newton and Ridley towel. I mean, this this is quite cool stuff. And there's obviously some of these. Um, they don't say 
when Bet wore them. In fact, like some of them, I don't know whether Bet actually did wear them or whether they were Julie Goodyear's. But so there are some here who um, is like that. This is some costume worn by Bet Lynch slash Gilroy when she was in the show, and here is a picture of her wearing them. Um, like, for example, Lot 22 here, a gold metal and diamante necklace and a pair of large clip-on earrings presented with two photographs of Miss Julie Goodyear wearing the earrings and a Newton and Ridley beer mat. So, yeah. I bet the, the most famous The thing. most famous thing here. So this is interesting. This has only got a reserve of £300 compared to the £700 of the last one, but I think that this is because, as you said, these are the most famous lot. This is the the boxed... It's, it's birdcage clip-on earrings which she wore on the show and also at press events. And um, she also wore this when Bette left the Rover to return for the last time in episode 3,900. Well, the last time for the first time, at least. Um, I think these are the best things. <laughs> they're so cool. They're, oh, they're really, so cool. They're, they're really, they're, there's, there's so much here. It there's makes, so it, much stuff. It makes me think that, you know, if, if we wanted to bid for one, surely we get one of them. I don't know. I mean, obviously... I'd like to... It'd be cool to bid and win something that if she's you, worn on screen. If you bid and won something, would you wear it or just put it on display? Me? Yeah. If it was, you know, tasteful I'm enough. I'm scared to wear I it. I don't know how much here if is it was something really particularly iconic, tasteful, if it's bet. It's no, the, I know. If it was iconic, like the birdcage earrings, I don't think I would want to wear them. No. But there's there's loads. I'm just we're just scrolling down, 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 down. And there's also um, there's, like there's 57 yeah. lots of her jewelry. And she ha- she each one comes with a certificate that she has signed. Yeah, I said that. Of all, th- all right. I said it again. This is right. It's just one of us. We're promoting this thing because you know we're we're working with the Willowwood Hospice to we're, yeah, to we're get working people. with them. Yes. You listeners, you go and go buy and if you got some money, go Christmas and bid on some of this. Up. Wouldn't you love it? Haven't you got like an old aunt or a gran or? A partner or even a reflection in or the mirror yourself, yeah. that would look just gorgeous in some of these danglies <laughs> but if not and you've got lots of letters to send why Don't not bid on stamps. lot 5758 which is signed stamps by julie hesman Halsh. uh this year's special coronation street 60th anniversary ones you can see a picture of those there and um, oh, there is, is a cool. large framed print commemorating coronation street's 30th birthday in 1990 which is one of 250 that were ever made this is number 200 uh, sorry 23 out of 250 um, and artist peter blake has signed it this has got a reserve of 300 pounds which is pretty cool and it makes me wonder these these stamps these giant stamps that we got this year which mm. were also limited edition are we going to be able to sell those for 300 pounds in 30 years time no keep hold of them Gemma. it's an investment finally we have also got um a very special signed script this is amazing. donated by the family of um, roy barraclough this is lot 60 and it is a script of the episode when which one was it oh it's the oh yeah it's the one where richard hillman tried to murder emily bishop and was seen by maxine peacock what happened so it's the, after that i'm trying to it, it, it must be the one that ends with him yeah, of course it does. attacking maxine behind the sofa so really really famous episode and it's, and it's been signed, signed by, loads, by of loads of people it's been signed by jenny mccallpine sue nichols mike lavelle uh has jack p shepherd malcolm hebden absolutely loads of coronation street so it's got a couple this. of it's framed it's good yeah it's framed it's got a couple of beer, beer mats on there from newton and ridley yeah very cool very very cool <sighs> stuff any listeners that are going to um have a go at bidding for some of this we wish you the very 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 best of luck unless you're bidding against us for anything that we're going for in which case come on let's have it but oh, um, i don't think we're there's there's plenty out there and um 
I, d- I just hope it I hope it raises lots and lots of money for the hospice I, I really 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 do hope this is a success don't forget as well uh, in a couple of weeks time you'll be able to bid for or not bid for pay money to watch some of the fan films that have been made by Mark Llewellyn and the production company that he hired into it um, which have got Coronation Street stars from past to present talking about Coronation Street and the memories of it and making of it and all that and also one of them has got me in it there's two episodes you can if you, again on the Willowwood Hospice website you can go onto it now which I don't think you could uh, last week and see a little um, description of who is featured in which of the episodes if you wanted to buy uh, one of them rather than the other then you can find out which one it is but you'd have to choose between me and Adam Bleece because we're in separate episodes. So. Oh, you got separated. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway, yeah, good luck to all uh, of um, of anyone donating for any of this. Um, let's get lots of money for that hospice, please. Yeah. And finally in the news this week, we have got the Digital Spy Reader Awards, which we always cover at this time of year. And um, there are Coronation Street folks that you can vote for, including... Best Soap Actor, female, Shelley King and Jane Danson, mm-hmm. um, two very worthy nominees this year. Best Soap Actor, male, Ian Bartholomew and Jack P. Shepard. So no, no surprises there, some solid choices. We've got Best Soap Story nominated, Jeff's Abuse of Yasmin and Oliver's Illness. I'm seeing a pattern with some of these nominations here, Gemma. Best Soap Couple, Carla and Peter um, versus Tim and Sally. That's kind of an interesting one because I can't say that either of these couples have been hugely at the forefront this year on Coronation Street. Obviously, Tim and Sally have just had their wedding recently uh, and Carla and Peter have been doing a little bit this week, but I, I don't know. I'm glad because that means that they haven't been focusing on romance. They haven't, but, you know, I, I, I do like... I mean, they, they, I, 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 I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say that they shouldn't do family stuff, but anyway, there's well, they that... They shouldn't do family stuff. OMG, soap moment. Tiana is not Michael and Grace's daughter, which is <laughs> oh, a massive OMG soap moment. Um, and Debbie is Ray's secret partner. Not so OMG for us, because we, we as, as well as some other viewers, had predicted it. But um, I think Corrie... Still pretty good. I don't know Both. what... Obviously, we never know what the other soaps have got. No. What, what, how, how OMG-ish or great actors or whatever that they are. But um, I would say that they were both pretty good moments. Especially for Corey, who doesn't usually do that sort of thing very often, where they don't spoil in advance some of the big twists. And finally, um, best soap newcomer, we've got uh, Kimberly Hart Simpson, who played Nikki, going up against Jude Riordan, who plays uh, Sam. Uh, Sam, who we very, 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 very much enjoyed seeing the <laughs> debut of recently. Um, and oh, go on, isn't he just cutie? Go and vote for him. Sorry, Kimberly, but you're a big girl now. Let's let's vote for little Jude and make sure Coronation Street keep him on because I think he's a could be a very wise future investment for the show. Um, and that is it for the news this week. Apart, oh, I just remember something's popped into my head speaking of the awards. It was supposed to be next week, the Inside Soap Awards, but they pushed them back for a week. Oh, wow. So if you were looking forward to Monday, Monday night, maybe, I think, the awards being um, announced, obviously with a virtual ceremony, the same way that the TV Choice Awards was it was a couple of months ago. Um, you just have to wait a little bit longer, but I think they're going to be teasing... Uh, some of the shortlist over the next week and they have also said that maybe some of the worlds will be announced early oh, I don't know, keep an eye out for that good luck Coronation Street although I think the votes are closed now so it's too late anything else to say, Any got any news popping into your head Gemma? No. Gemma says no so let's finish off the episode with some feedback, including some reviews good ones Feedback time. Thank you, everyone, for all your feedback this week, including the people who voted on the podcast, not the podcast, the Facebook podcast, Facebook group. 
about last week's coronation trip. We've got quite a lot of voters, some extra ones this week, I think. So thank you, everybody, for taking the time for that. They obviously had um, strong feelings about last week's fantastic episodes, and it ended up with a 3.74 out of 5 on average, which is pretty good. I it, It's funny, because you go onto the Facebook poll, and there were so many people voting fours, but I suppose the ones that just vote lower just pull the average down a little bit. So it seems like 3.74 isn't that high, but the vast majority of the voters, if we were to do the, the mode or the median, um, found it pretty, quite excellent, including Pete, who gave it four swingers in a hot tub, uh, Fiona, who gave it three abandoned shopping trolleys left outside Gales <laughs> out of five, and uh, my pick of the week, which was Hill, who gave it four and a half arduous hours of Conversation oh, yeah, Street oh, out of five. That brings us Podcast right into, um, into the rest of the, the feedback, doesn't it? Because last week I complained bitterly. For 10 minutes straight. About a review that we had <laughs> on iTunes and uh, appealed to our lovely listeners to save us from being called arduous. He did. We we got a, we got a bundle of new reviews this week. So honestly, thank you, thank you so much, everybody you guys that's heard our cry. You know how much it really makes us happy to get nice reviews <laughs> but it does also help the podcast be discovered and all that yeah, as we well got it's a, not we got, just stroking our egos we got an email didn't we to say we're number one in oh yeah Luxembourg. this is weird <laughs> yeah i got an email to so very occasionally we got random emails from yeah we not from get, a person but it's like automatically generated yeah, yeah. ones and the one today was saying it was about last week number one in tv reviews in the benelux countries or something <laughs> bizarre yeah, yeah it's very we ranking have... very well in luxembourg we're number one in tv reviews in luxembourg and number two in new zealand i, I hear that they don't go much on podcasts in those countries that's all i can think of <laughs> or maybe they're just really big matilda freeman fans or maybe it's know. all just a big lie maybe yeah anyway more um, likely but yeah, so we, we have had um, new reviews and we've had some people reposting old reviews as well. So thank you very much. That, that. really helps as well. Thank I, you. I would like to read them all out, but I can't. But I've just got... That's the... Oh, just got this one. What luxury. This is this is a review from A. Hughes, 1992. And it's a fairly lengthy one, but um, I blow my own trumpet, I shall. Um, this is my second five-star review for this podcast. That's the thing. You just give us as many as you want. Um, it says A. Hughes, 1992. Um, having been listening to it for over two years, I can't imagine it not being part of my weekly routine. I often listen while doing another activity that doesn't involve that much brain power so I can actually concentrate on listening to it, such as playing Spyro without the sound on. Good choice. Working on a... I've never played a Spyro game. Working on a puzzle, pottering around the house, or even when I'm trying to fall asleep. <laughs> Please take that as a compliment, because anything that helps me sleep sometimes is appreciated, Aww. and I'll go back and re-listen as many times as I need to to finish it. I do wonder how many people who listen to us just kind of half listen or drift off or whatever because quite often when I'm listening to a podcast I can, I often I can listen to a whole of it like a drive home yeah. from school and it's like, I, I don't know what they've been talking about <laughs> I know you just want some company don't you That's, this is the yeah. thing this, this and, is and, what this show is supposed to be for I don't yeah we're not it's not like a highly edited production with every word means you know is the no, most important uh, hanging on every word I do like to think that you know everything that we say is relevant but I, I know deep down it isn't but I wonder whether it, we're just here to keep you company yeah and if we can do that and make you make you happy and entertain you at the same time then good do you ever get to the end of a street talk segment listeners and go 
What was the back end of this week's episode? Sometimes I do, myself. (laughs) Anyway, the the review continues. We're we're not even halfway through this yet. Um, I really enjoyed hearing what you made of the week's events and what you predict might happen in the upcoming weeks. I love that it's spoiler-free as I avoid these myself. And if you even do talk about them, you give fair warning so I can switch off. Mm. I love the banter and how you bounce off each other and the sometimes quite in-depth conversations about your thoughts on sometimes quite heavy topics. How sensitively you handle, <laughs> how sensitively you handle them when needed. But I love the sarcasm and dark humour that you use too. How, how was it this week, James? Did we get the right balance no, and street terrible. talk? I didn't have to edit anything. I got a couple no, of glares and a couple yes. of cutoffs, mm. but I, I thought we did okay. Um, I sometimes laugh out loud at some of the things you both come out with. The random noises from your Alex. Oh, you don't make me say it. Uh, you know what that thing. It's okay. You can say it in two halves. Yeah, Alex. Uh, Sorry, she didn't hear me. Um, And getting the occasional update on the brief purring cameos from Abby. (laughs) She was just here a minute ago. She's just gone. gone. (laughs) I really appreciated the welcome distraction this podcast provided me through the three months of lockdown, number one, (laughs) and how you dedicated one episode to acknowledge it so you didn't have to mention it constantly throughout the other episodes in the lead up to the difference in pre to post COVID filming when the actors and crew went back to work. That made any sense? Yes, it, it did. did. That's what it did for. Yeah, I also recently went back and listened to your original character profile of Aiden. Then found the episode covering the week of his suicide to listen to, and then the update of his profile. It was interesting listening to that week's events again, and to hear how your views have changed for that um, for the <laughs> profile. I often when... think that I rewrite history when I talk about what I thought about things. I know, I know. Uh, when you first started doing a separate episode for the middle section, I wasn't sure if I'd prefer it or not. Then again, I hate change, but I think it was the right decision. Thank as you. As well as why it technically works for you, I enjoy being able to listen to those episodes in my own time, separately from the main podcast. <sighs> my- Michael, you have it's great interviewing skills. Thank you. Uh, Gemma, Gemma, thank you and Michael for all the hard work you do and provide a much needed sense of normality right now. Much love. Aww, thank, thank you. Thank you, that's very nice. Um, yeah, I, I, still, I, th- I think that splitting up the podcast works. I, I know it definitely means that there are some people who maybe in the past would have listened through the character profiles or the feature discussions or don't whatever, listen don't listen to it all anymore. Ruining our so we've, we, we've, we've made it easier for people Ruining to not it. listen if they want to. But equally, um, oh, like this review has said, it means that people can listen to it whenever they want yeah. to and they can bank them or, or yes. whatever, which is fine. I was wondering Waffle. about, because quite often, at the moment, Tuesdays is our recording day for our middle section, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it? So sometimes Thursday, but more and more it's become a Tuesday thing. Like we, we, We've had this um, bonus podcast for this week in the bank since Tuesday evening. Yes. And it's making me wonder, like, do we split it up during the week? What would people think? What would you think if we said, well... You know, Tuesday night we released the bonus podcast, and then we couldn't we couldn't um, say that we all do that though. No, no, I'm not saying we could do that. We we can't we can't say guarantee that that's when it. I be. can't have people enough would... day of my life that I have to. No, <laughs> I have would, to never do something. Like... Would people like it if we just released them as soon as we had them, or is it a nice treat for Saturday? Let's because we, we we literally we drop four to five oh, hours worth of audio every Saturday all at once. Yeah, and for some people, that is, does that it. feel overwhelming? Well, we know it does. It's arduous. <laughs> uh, I'd be interested for people to tell us what they think about that. Would, right. you, would you prefer for the episode to be split up twice in a week with the understanding that sometimes we couldn't always do it? Right. I don't know. I've said this to you eight years ago and you don't... You, did said I? no. Did yeah. You? Yes, I did. Well, maybe I'm finally coming. This is really to the irritating idea. to me. Quite often, I'll suggest something, 
and you'll ignore me. If somebody else suggests it, it sounds like a good idea then. <laughs> well, he hasn't suggested it, or she. No, I'm you suggested it. it. Like I'm it was your idea. Brilliant idea. Come on. Right, um, let's move on to the rest of the feedback. So first off, we have got an update from Rebecca. Oh, and Rebecca, we're thinking of you and your family. You've had some bad news this week. Yes. We're really sorry. But she still found the time to send us her annual update on a character of the week. And if you've been listening to the podcast for the last two, three, four years that Rebecca's been doing this, around this time every year, she sends us a list of how many times each character has been voted character of the week on the podcast yes. and um, we, we've got up on the screen at the moment this year's rankings or should I say the rankings from whenever we started doing it up to now versus last year's rankings mm-hmm. and um, there's not a whole lot of change but there's a little bit of movement in the top end of the list isn't there so right at the top our number one is still Jenny who's got 40 characters of the weeks last year though she only had 36 so she's only been creeping up a little bit this year could she be overtaken in future years by the people that are nipping at her heels? I don't well, know because not. people behind her are that still. That would mean she'd have to leave. Fairly, fairly behind. We've got a tie in second place at the moment between Sally and Pat Phelan. That makes it sound yeah. like they're married. Um, so I think that yeah. at some point Sally's going to pull ahead and leave Pat well, in Pat's the dust because he's not going to be getting it anymore, Sad. is he? So last year. Um, Sally was in second place and Pat was in... Sorry, Sally was in third and Pat was in second, but we've just had a few this year that's put them on equal pegging. We've got Yasmin on in she's storming ahead. fourth place. She was 16... She had 16 last year and yeah, now she's, she's got 24. Big, big movement. 16 characters of the week since 24. <laughs> she has jumped over David, which makes sense because David hasn't been in the limelight no. as much this year. So David is our number five position in 23, but who knows where it's going to go next year. Uh, and then we've got, rounding off the rest of the top 10, we've got Abby at 22. Again, she stormed ahead. She was at 13 last yeah. year. So she's one to keep an eye on. Yeah. She's just, she's really close to David, actually. And I didn't think that Ooh, that could happen. That is very impressive. Evelyn is on 18, up from 11 last year. Again, very, very good for a new character. Yeah. Um, and then that leaves us with Liz and Tracy, who've both got 14. They haven't had a single one this year, though. That's what they were at last year. Oh dear. And then number 10 is Mary with 13. Again, no movement from last year. Um, storming up, we've got uh, Leanne. She's had 12 characters of the week. So I'm just looking down to see where she came last year. Four last year. <gasps> so she was, she was, you know, She's uh, not surprising. She's yeah, Leanne has gone really up in our estimations yeah. in the past few years. So it's Remember no what I, to see how much I rising. used to hate her character? That used to be our podcast's thing. Yeah, that we, we hated, hated Leanne. Leanne. And I remember when Sal got in touch with us, one of the other earliest things she said is like, oh, I agree with so much you talk about on the podcast, but I can't agree with your stance on Leanne because I think, <laughs> I think she's great. It, it really used to be our thing. We've yeah. had a real, real turnaround. Well, that goes, goes to show you There's, listen, in life, the worst thing you can ever do is hold an opinion so dear that you never change it that's a silly thing to yeah. do um so we, we but i will go... always hate tim <laughs> tim is nine character of the weeks at the moment versus seven last year so he's had another two this year he's currently Boo. tied with billy ken nick and bethany um so i mean we, we, we don't need go to go into the whole thing can we but I, I do like our huge list of of ones yeah. we, we've still got like our, uh, pedo van man, pedo van man is always going Black to be Bull there Butcher. um foreman of the jury Jude's we've got, got one somewhere still, yeah. ds abney yeah so but also some of the main characters like um who've we got as main characters there 
And maybe there aren't any, actually. I'm just looking at Simon has had one. Yes. Uh, Rita is on one. Oh, Rita's only got one. That's yeah. really bad. But there must be a Summer's good chunk of characters who have got absolutely none. Yes, But they're definitely. not on our list, so we don't know who they are. Anyway, I always find this video really interesting. So thank you, Rebecca, thank for sending you, Rebecca. this. We'll update you this time next year. Um, more. Round about episode 500 we'll be getting there. Without, Drum roll, please. That. Oh, that was funny oh, this, this week, is, wasn't it? Do you want to tell that story? It was oh, Hill, was... wasn't it? She, oh, uh, she was listening to... What was it she was listening an to? Old an old episode, episode of the podcast, where, 100 and something. Where Michael said that when we get to episode 500, he would get a tattoo. I don't know the exact wording of what I said because I, I uh, Hill didn't say. I, Michael doesn't swear on all that is holy and good and my cat's life, that when we get to episode 500 of the podcast, I will definitely, absolutely get a big tattoo on my face. There must have been a story where some of the characters were getting tattoos. Was it, like, was it Faye and her boyfriend? Were, I don't know. We were talking about getting tattoos, and we said, would we ever get them? And I, was, and I joked, oh, maybe if we ever get to 500 <laughs> episodes, I'll get a Coronation Street tattoo. Um, it's not going to happen. I think you should now. You've said it. You've got, you can't take it back. No. I would never get a tattoo because I changed my mind too much. Whoever, whoever is at number one in our character rankings by the time we reach 500 episodes, that's the character that I'm going to get a tattoo on. <laughs> I'm going to so. get a tattoo of Jenny Bradley on well, your you know, it, it could be Sally. It could be Sally if... Oh, dear. If, if it's depending on the stories next year. It could be. It could be anybody. could be Fat if he comes back from the dead. Fat that's all I'm saying. Right. Um, we are still in Rebecca territory because she sent us her usual feedback on last week's episode. So, uh, Gemma, I'll hand over right. to you. She said, fantastic week on the street and great to learn that Debbie is finally Roxy and working with Ray. That was funny that that got nothing this week, didn't it? After being such a big story last week, didn't not, not even get a snifter this week. I also appreciated Debbie winding up Sally and also winding up Jeff as well to cause a reaction. Still loving Craig and Faye and so glad they are now a couple. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that already. Looking forward to seeing where the Debbie and Ray story goes. Also interested in the Oliver story, which I am assuming will come to a head this week. Nick did the right thing in admitting to Leanne the truth. Like seeing Simon again, though poor Emma. Ali Mardell broke me on Wednesday's episode, and like Gemma, I would have reacted the same as Emma. The, um, Alahan's story. Alahan's story, like Michael said, is well done, and liking all three of the main players, although I'm still not liking Corey. See, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, if we'd have got rid of the... The dross with Billy and Paul and Alina and Adam and Sean and Michael this week. Well, maybe that's a bit harsh. Some of it was all right. And we'd had the Alahan story as the B story, and maybe the Debbie and Ray stuff as a B story as well. Would it have been a five? I don't know. It, it, it could have been a quite easy four and a half rather than a, a, a shaky four for me. It's so funny just how the mix <laughs> of the stories can make a difference, isn't it? Someone said he reminds me of Tyler. That's Corey. I'm guessing either Asher will fall pregnant despite taking precautions regarding the pill or Corey will have both Adi and Asher similar to the Sunny, Sean and Michelle. That's too long ago for me to remember. I did like Corey. No, he's suggesting that Corey's going to go out with Adi as well. Could Corey be gay or bi? I did like Corey and Dev bonding over golf. The Michael story is filler, but I'm guessing setting up a Michael and Alina romance. Oh, no. Finally loving the Sean and Dylan story and hoping that Sean starts to make something of himself but still keeps his Seanness. Well, if his peacock top's anything to go by, it's no worries on that front. <laughs> I quite like the idea, now you've mentioned it, Rebecca, about Michael and Alina together because, like I said, the, the thing that's bugging me the most about Alina is how they've sexed her up and I think that if she was going to go with Adam, they would have... They would you yeah, know, yeah, promote them as the hot, sexy they young would, couple. Whereas if it was Alina and Michael, it'd be kind of the fun, kooky couple. And I, I think know. that suits I her think better. I too weird. They're too weird for but each she's other. Not, well, I don't, she's not that weird. 
Um, she's got potential to be. They're, they're both quite kind of cute and naive, aren't they? Yeah. They, they, they have the potential to be. Well, and I think she that accord could be with quite him having a baby with Grace. Um, Rebecca finishes, also still loving Todd, even if we don't see too much of him this week. Character of the week is Emma, and I give it four shiny new grandsons out of five. Lovely. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Lee has written to us this <gasps> Lee, week, Lee, listen Emma. to the question. Yes, you wanted, you wanted to know, you asked last week, you put out the call for people to tell yeah. you about how they started watching Corrie, and we yeah. did have Lee, at least, writing to tell us. Mm-hmm. We need to put a post on the Facebook group about it if we really want to get people to tell us. But Lee says... Um, he started watching a few years ago. He says he's a lifelong soap fan, having watched American soaps like General Hospital and Days of Our Lives with his mum since he was a kid. So is that different from Doctor Hospital? Yes. Is that like the military version? <laughs> <laughs> I got into British soaps when I saw a clip of Emmerdale and got hooked because of the Aaron and Robert story. Rob Ron. But as a soap fan, not a couple shipper, uh. I immediately fell in love with the whole show. British soaps, I'm sure you are aware, are much more character-driven and grounded mm. than American shows, and I really get uh, invested. I started watching Corrie when it came on BritBox and loved the tone of the characters. Also, it'd be my pleasure oh, to yeah. send you some goodies from Trader Joe's. <laughs> yes, please. What do you want? I want that mushroom powder. Oh. Umami powder, it's called, or something. Is, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know what Trader Joe's have, but you can send Gemma I've some never been to Trader Joe's, but I, my friend... Might get sniffed out at customs. Got me some of that everything but the bagel seasoning and it's great on avocado on toast lovely right nancy says i'm enjoying ray's plan to bite the street this is building up nicely to the 60th anniversary episode and debbie makes a great villain she may be overplaying her hand sally abby or alia would get wise to debbie and expose ray's plans i saw abby give sally a look when debbie was speaking Jane Danson is doing a great job. The scenes with Simon, Nick and Gail were fabulous. In the end, Nick will come to terms. No. no. In the end, Leanne will come to terms and make the difficult decision on her own. She may ask Tori and Steve, but the decision will be hers. What you were saying today. Emma was great at the police station. How could anyone arrest her with tears streaming down her face? It is interesting that this was the fallout from Scott's failed robbery attempt. Yeah, if police yeah, she didn't... seems to have punished the most out of everybody. If police didn't rescue you for crying... That'd be a quite easy get out of jail Didn't free card, doesn't it? The crying criminals, that's my, that's oh, my no. MO. That reminds me of the weepy voiced killer. He's scary. <laughs> no, it's scary. Tell you what, Rana would have been able to get away with murder. She could have killed anybody. She could have dropped the factory roof on herself, yeah. pinned it on someone. Yeah. Um, she says, Nancy says, I definitely think, think Michael needs to get a paternity test. Social services will need to get involved once the baby's born. Michael will get custody. I feel Aggie and Ed will stand behind Michael. That's a good point. We saw them. We saw Aggie and Ed this week, which makes me wonder whether this Grace thing will come up. Mm. I mean, he probably will get a paternity test, but it's going to be one of those. I think little it's avenues. Grace's. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's Grace's too. <laughs> I think it's Michael. I don't know. There's a clues are there. <laughs> it is. That's the thing. It's Michael. I think they might say it feels natural for him to have a paternity test, so let's show him having a paternity test, and then we have to wait for a few weeks for it to come back. Oh, I don't know how these things work. But I, I think let's just cut to the chase. We know it's his. We don't need to see that. Let's get on with seeing how, you know, how the characters react to it and everything. That's much more. That's much more exciting than the paternity test use, results. Useless cliffhanger. Um, I love seeing Dylan and Sean interacting together. Aline was right when she said being a father is not about giving presents. Sean will try to be a good father. I do think Dylan will be back on a permanent basis because something will happen to Violet. Oh, here we go. 
I started watching Coronation Street because I was looking for a great show to watch. Oh, Nancy told us as well. I forgot about this. The minute, yeah. the minute I started watching it, I had to watch episode every every episode I could find. Then I found your podcast. I loved it right away. It is so great to have two people discussing the show I love. It's great to be able to share my love of the show with two people who love the show too. Oh, thank <laughs> oh, that's you, Nancy. Nice. That's lovely. This, I give this week's episode three and a half biscuits out of five. The character of the week is Emma. I love Debbie and Nick too. Who was it that ate the other biscuit? Steve? Debbie? Uh, right. Right, yeah, he's a bit of a biscuit puncher, isn't he? Fangirl Overload 123 on this week's episode says, The honest story was heartbreaking. Yeah. Once again, more underworld scenes where no, where no one actually makes any knickers. <laughs> we did see a glimpse of sewing machine. Yes, we did. I don't know whether you noticed. We had to rewind to check that it was definitely there, but there was a sewing it machine. Nobody, nobody's sitting at it. No. But it was there. The Johnny story has really fizzled out, though. Next to nothing this week, they've practically forgotten about it. And finally, Paul stripped Kate tease for the bishop was funny. <laughs> Catch of the week is Steve, and I give it three and a half smug Scottish gits out of five. Which, Van Gogh Overload 123 says, was incredibly racist, by the way. Nothing wrong with being Scottish. I agree. I did. I you made a thing I, on Twitter about I did. that. Didn't I don't you? normally have a go at Corey on Twitter because I think enough people do it. But can we stop making it part of insults to it, say, to call Adam Scottish? <laughs> it seems like I think it seems like it's one of those things that like at first it was funnier than it is now, and and it, it doesn't bother me like because David used to call him Braveheart, or he did once. But it seems like whenever anybody wants to insult Adam, they throw it in there. <laughs> but yeah, when I've seen people on. Um, on social media this week who are Scottish saying I don't really mind and other people saying yes it's it's the thing is I understand that some people don't mind if you're Scottish but I find to me I don't like it because it erodes the the respect that we should have between and I know we all take the mick out of each other and there's always this rivalry and we tease each other and Scotland England and Wales and I think that's it it's the but we don't yeah I know but we feel entitled Uh, English people feel so entitled to be rude to Scots and it's not funny. What what do you think about, you know, in Derry Girls where there's the English one and he's being made fun of because he's English? This is what we said before about comedy is punching up, not down, isn't it? Mm, I guess so, I guess so. We should, as as we are clearly better here in England, <laughs> we should England, be gracious about it. It's because we, no, it's because we wield the power and we shouldn't be able to. I know, I know. Just joking, Scotland. I love you and I love Scottish tablet, which is more I like hate it, it's Gemma. disgusting. It should be banned. Gemma, we have got one email it's from Scottish, Abby to finish gone off wrong with. And you can't tell me that it's not. Scottish tablet is bloody lovely. It's horrible. <laughs> Abby says... I'm still painfully far behind on the podcast. I'm still celebrating Gemma's birthday month. Happy belated, Gemma. Please speak too long. Woo! Hooray! The new television season is finally trickling in in the US. Between COVID-based production delays and the election... What election? I don't know. You had an election It's good to have a fresh fresh brain candy once again. And in watching, something really stood out and got me thinking. We've all had reactions to the portrayal of COVID on Corrie. The awkward distancing between the characters who are supposed to be talking to household members, bizarre mask and visitor rules at the hospital, and why the beast drove open when everyone, everything else is takeout, etc. It all seemed kind of odd until this week. Chicago Med, Grey's Anatomy and their sister shows had their season premieres this week. By the way, not sure if or when Grey starts in other countries, but it's a two-hour episode with a really big twist in the last two minutes. No spoilers here, but wow! 
wonder what this, wonder what it was. I don't know, but well, I started watching Grey's Anatomy. But I, I, Did once, you? once I found out that it was still going, I went, oh, I can't invest <laughs> in this. Um, both stories are hospital based, and so you'd expect COVID to be the story. But oh my god, what painful viewing they were! Presumably they got the med- medicine right, but any of the charm these shows normally have was pushed aside. Not counting that amazing twist at the end. Oh, I'm gonna have to this out now. Grey's had maybe four warm moments, and two of those were cloyingly sentimental. Med was just dreadful. One dreadful scene after another. I don't even remember if there was a story other than how horrific it is to work in a city hospital. Yes, I'm sure for hospital staff, it's about as close to accurate as they could be. But for regular viewers, it was totally depressing, maybe frightening. The stories they they told, almost nothing enlightening or fun. They're a rehash of living through the 2020 nightmare. They were action shows minus the fast cars and guns, which had wit when we had tuned in for human drama in a hospital setting. It's November. We do get it. By contrast, Corey's treatment of COVID, especially in the Ollie Warble story, has allowed the human drama to come through. It's not a hospital show, so you'd expect COVID to be dialed back in Corey. It is maybe a bit too much, but it still hasn't. It's still there, and it hasn't interfered with good stories. The only real intrusion was in Maria and Carrie's wedding, but that's not a good story anyway. So no loss. <laughs> We've been treated to marvelous performances and heartfelt emotions without being hit over the head. A few scenes with Aggie and/or Dr. Garris would be nice, though. Yes. All we needed, say, for Dr. Gaddis to fall asleep in a booth while waiting for a glass of wine and watching Jenny shush the punters to let her rest. <laughs> a little clever writing would make the point of exhausted healthcare workers. Very good point. Curry has had months of episodes to work in COVID, while Grey's and Meds have had only one each. Time will tell if they can tone down the virus enough to bring the character dramas forward. I, for their sakes, hope they do. Curry, however, can keep on keeping on. I tune in for drama, not dramatics. Stay safe. She's got a PS. Yeah, I think it would make sense for one street resident to get infected and see how everyone deals with it. I nominate R.D. Allahan to be daily normal board teen who catches it when he sneaks out to see his friends. We've seen how well Dev and Asher can handle any drama. How will Dev run his essential shop if the customers are afraid of catching the virus from him? Will he confide his fear of losing a son with his pal Steve, who has presumably just lost his? Asher can move in with Roy and new friend Nina and deal with her fear of losing her twin, while BFF Amy is tied up in her own grief. And then there's Mary and Dr. Gaddis. Of course, Adi will pull through. If he doesn't, it would be too morbid. However, he will have to deal with recovery and the consequences of being young and foolish. Just my two cents. What do you think about that idea? I like about that somebody idea. catching it now? It seems to make sense, and it feels like um, we understand COVID a lot more than we did sort of back in the summer. And we, the cases are rising of, of people getting it, uh, but but not as many people are dying of it. So Because we have better therapeutics yeah. to treat it and also... Um, they 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 think that some of the strains aren't as deadly as they were because mm. they mutate. And I, and I do think that it could it if they were to say right let let's just do this let's make it you know a week or two long story, even though it's you know they've got to go through the storyline and process and everything. You could put have you could fairly safely bet on if you wanted to work on a COVID story now and having a character like Hardy getting it and maybe it appears on screen in three, four months' time, maybe, and maybe you're right, I'm completely wrong with timescales about how these things work, I don't know. It it would it would be done in a fairly accurate way. I would like them to tackle it in some deeper manner because there is so much drama here that they're leaving on the table. But again, it's coming off the back of a medical story that's been dominating most of this year. Mm. People might say they don't want any more medical stuff. Also... 
um, whatever you were saying about watching the trauma and the sadness of what the medical staff have to deal with. I said this before about Corey. Um, I'm kind of in a way glad that they're not doing too much about COVID because, and, and when COVID first started, I do remember thinking about how we always say that, you know, entertainment is art and it reflects the real world and it helps people deal with real issues. And wouldn't it be interesting to watch a COVID story and would it help us deal with our emotions and process everything? But now having been through the so many months of this i don't want to hear anything about it but i, I thought that when when curry was coming back and and we were saying oh we, we need coronation street to be escaped from this non-stop covid but it feels like we're at a stage at the moment where it's it's not non-stop covid anymore and people are yeah but we getting yeah, used to I it feel, or living with yeah, it i know but i feel a bit happy. like we, we're being stupid and going yeah whatever we're we're fine we don't care about it anymore which is why it'd be perfect to have a story oh, where sorry. somebody like Ardy who thinks he's invincible goes out and gets it possibly the thing is they could be they could be accused of scaremongering Possibly. That's that's probably what... This is what I said about Corey not really taking risks anymore. Mm, I'm not sure what the other soaps have done. I, I think I think I might have remembered reading that... Um, was it Patrick in um, EastEnders has had it or, said, or during the lockdown he was supposed to have had it? Maybe, or am I making that up? I'm, I'm, I think somebody on one of the other soaps is supposed to have had it, but I don't think there's been any story, as far as I know, that's showing somebody going through it. Maybe if... You know, next year we get to a stage where COVID is more under control and if the vaccine works and everything. And, well, then they'd be missing the boat then, wouldn't but they? But it's not going to go away. But say it's, no, under it con- it's, not, it's under control, but people do still get it. So let's say we've got a vaccine. Maybe Ardy doesn't get the vaccine for whatever and then he gets COVID. Maybe then it'd be easier to predict how realistic it will be portrayed however many months in advance or, or however many months after the storyline gets mooted. I don't know. It... I do think that there's definitely a lot they could do with it. And it, in a way, it feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, missing, missing but trip. they they already had this big Ollie storyline, like I said. And I'd rather they didn't do it at all than but did it and got it wrong. It's The, the, the Ollie storyline is literally a la- matter of life and death. And it was very inevitable that this person was going to... That this kid was going to die, I think. and it's. But I think if they had... I mean, especially with Ardy, he, he's, what, 14 or so? He may be fairly asymptomatic. Um, and, I don't and if there's see no, the if there's no risk, it to a teenager. If there's no risk that the character is going to die and the drama isn't there, but it's about how other people treat him. It and, would and be... About him, him having to self-isolate uh, and, and maybe, yeah, people would... I think this would be... This is the thing, right? This is what I've noticed in, in society and culture um, recently with, with COVID. Obviously, you've got people who are taking silly risks that shouldn't be. But because of that, you've created this weird culture of witch huntery where if you got corona... It kind of reminds me of what happened with lung cancer, where if you've got lung cancer and you smoked ever in your life or you took a really deep breath when you were walking past somebody who was smoking, it's like your own fault and nobody really feels sorry for you, which is a horrible, hard-hearted way to be. Mm. I think that the same thing is happening a bit with coronavirus, where you have people who um, might might take what other people consider to be an unnecessary risk, and then they catch it, and then all the sympathy is, is kind of gone. Or um, 
an outbreak happened and then we tra- trace it down to who who's the person who brought it into our community mm. which which reckless person was doing what they shouldn't have have done and and everybody's judging everybody else based on what they would do in whatever situation. Which is why I think it feels like it could be an yeah, interesting story or yeah, kind of a witch hunty sort of story. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I don't know. And it, and throwing it's, it out there. Well, it, obvious, really. Yeah. I think from that perspective, it's, it would be interesting mm. to explore what it does to a community, especially one as tight-knit as Coronation Street. Yeah. It, it feels like one of the four, is it four major soaps, has got to do it. And then the other soaps will be left kicking themselves that they didn't do it. Well, it sounds like somebody's And they were feeling a bit too conservative. No, I'm just saying, in the Sistenders one, I think that the character, you know, Sistenders went off the air for however many months. They're saying that during that period, oh, sorry that again. character got it. I'm, I, am I making okay, this up? I don't, I don't know. know. But you see what I mean about when I say Coronation Street doesn't take risks anymore? Well, it, it sometimes does. It doesn't really. I'm... It, takes, it takes risks. But it does it for like they're easily defensible risks. Like doing doing the um doing the, the Aiden suicide story got Kate Oates lots of flack from people who thought that she was sensationalising it. But it was easy to defend her decision because she could back it up with statistics. And I think that anybody who was going into that would know this is a very calculated risk. This is really not a risk at all because we can see whenever we do something like this, mm. we get a response. It's the same with the racism storyline this year. Such a safe way to play it. It was the most, it was a character came in that we didn't know or care about being racist to somebody that they were trying to boost the popularity of to create a really obvious victim um yeah. perpetrator narrative everybody could get behind it and everybody learned you know it's a controversial subject racism but they played it in a very very safe way but so they don't they don't take risks anymore this would be a risk yeah yeah no okay so that's where we're coming from so yeah. i think they should do it is we'll what see. i'm saying i think they should they just... need to be a bit they need to not play it so safe well i think they should hire us on the storyline team, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I still wonder whether um, how much longer Ian McLeod is going to stay with the show and maybe if they You've get a new producer. You've been going for him to leave. I know. Uh, started. Yeah. Um, if somebody new came in, maybe that would be a risk that they would want to take if some, if they want to start with a bang. It's too late now. I think it's too late. Unless they've really got this in well, the works. I think, I think that's you. It could work, as I say, if it's things have stayed. But remember what I said. Bit. I said previously I thought it would be cool if somebody like a few years down the line came in and they were like well you know my partner died of it or whatever Mm. yeah yeah just to reference it to show that it has had an effect on this person's life and it is quite them as a character i don't know how realistic it is that nobody in coronation street knows anyone apart from one passing mention of the of the window cleaner's dad (laughs) or something yeah it was like like especially considering the north is much harder hit like here i don't know anybody who's had it I, I do. Well, I don't because I don't know anybody. Yeah, you. Yeah, you'd never leave the house. So what? So, but you know one person. What do you? Um, well, no, I know a few people that have had it now. But we don't have anyone really close to us who's had not, it. Not not close. But close, I think that's but we haven't fair... got many people that are close close. But it, I, I think I would say, probably most people in the country know either close or. Do you think? Second hat and somebody who has had it, which is why... We're very lucky in the South. Yeah. But, so in Coronation Street, it feels like they, people would know it. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Anyway, yeah. anyway, we've we've been going on too Sorry, long about everyone. this. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank, thank, you, thank you very thank much you, to our new you. patron this month, which is Trisha Khan, who signed up for um for our um patron this month, and yes. she and. Um, many of our other patrons who have signed up to the particular level can hopefully look forward to a new bonus Patreon exclusive podcast coming your way in the next week, week and a half maybe. We'll just have to We've see when we can fit it in. Weekend. We do, but like we say on the bonus podcast this week where we rank where we react to Corypedia's top thirty <laughs> um, Coronation Street characters ever this. as voted this by you, the Cory watching public, I would like to try and find what my who my top five ever coronation street characters are i think this is going to be very hard and i'm sure that as Impossible. soon as i say it i will change my mind afterwards yeah. but as a snapshot in time for the moment that's what we're going to hopefully do on our next <laughs> bonus stupid Patreon idea. Podcast. how are we going to do run it run it up I think normally we just say as many easy. as we like i know but normally we just say our top fives and then we have runners up yeah. and that would be uh, just everyone mentions. else I don't. I don't think that every single character on the show ever. Judy Mallet, runner, runner up. What? That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> Ready, runner up or not runner up? She's my number one. Oh yeah, she's been great. You don't know anything about no, I Judy don't. Mallet. Listen, she, um, you do hated Judy Mallet because I told you that she wanted to kill Scamper the dog yeah, this week on what Classic. Be <laughs> She's grieving. You don't tell you what everybody. Have you been sad. watching ITV Three Coronation Street? Right, I'm checking out. I have. I've known, because uh, I remember it happening, Joyce Smedley getting hit by a car, but I could not remember for the life of me when it happened or how long she was in the programme. So ever since Joyce set foot in uh, Classic Coronation Street like earlier in the year, I'm th- and, and every time she left the house, I was thinking, is this the time that she gets hit by a car? <laughs> is she going to get hit by the car now? Oh, she's had a bit of an argument with Judy. I think she might get hit by a car. So I was very, very relieved. relieved this week when finally she got hit by a car by Tony Horrocks. And um, that means this, this week as well, by the way, we've also seen um, the debut of Natalie Horrocks and we saw Chris Collins, the mechanic, this week. I'm um, not quite so fondly remembered. But anyway, yeah. Start your other podcast Good about stuff, this. good stuff. Stop batting into my podcast. Fine. Gemma, please tell us, not tell me, tell the listeners, how can I get in touch with us should they wish to send some feedback on either the podcast or indeed Coronation Street? Um, you can email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. We are at conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can review us on iTunes. Thank you, everyone. Again, you guys big, don't big, big know thank you for that. how much that means to us. Um, Instagram, we're on that. On Twitter, on Spotify, on Facebook, on YouTube, on and on Patreon. Thank you, every lovely Patreon people. Yes. That's it. That's it. Um, oh, no, I just had something in my head that I was going to say. Oh, I was going to mention again. Please, please don't forget to have a look if you are at all interested in winning some of... Julie Goodyear's jewellery to or, go over, or Julie Hesman Hells signed stamps or, or supporting the hospice yes have a look on their eBay page from lunchtime today Saturday or tomorrow is it today yet oh it is it's 10 past 12 at the moment and oh yeah literally 12 hours time and you might be able to win some cool bit of merchandise and support the hospice at the same time <laughs> and that is it that's the end of this. Thank you for listening. We'll be back mm. next week with more Corrie and Convy goodness. But until then, ta from me. And me. And the music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Mm.